Gentlemen, welcome to casting the spotlight episode number 94. And I didn't bring a chicken platter. I didn't bring a shrimp platter. <laughs> well, I brought some big fat can of whoop ass. <laughs> no, uh, lay it down. But we're here again. We're bringing you another solo. Back to back this time. First time, I guess we've done that since like earlier in the year when we busted out. Uh, I guess we took the milestone, we got 70, and then we did like a solo 71, so like that was our last back-to-back solo episode uh, combination, which is always fun to get it back to like doing. it's been a while. It does. Sure. And even last week, because we've had so many guests in, even last week, like when we did uh, episode 93, it feels like it was even, like it doesn't even necessarily register as like that was the last episode we did, because we've had so many people in, mm-hmm. so it's almost like it just starts to kind of add up and we're just going and going and going you know what i mean yeah it all kind of blends after yeah. a while yeah like uh, what happened last week yeah well and then whenever we promote him like we gotta you know we're like we catch up with doing that and we're like you're just you're constantly going over like all oh, the guests and like just you know you're caught co- you're you're constantly just uh, promoting the episodes as they go on, so you're like, it's, you know, it all it all starts to blend together, you know, yeah. really. But uh, hopefully everybody's doing well out there. We have been busting them out for you. Well, yeah. I've been staying on a very consistent pattern. I know. It's nice. Yeah. We've already shot, with this episode, it'll be like our, our 27th already of the year, and like last year's total was 33. And, and we like, felt pretty good about that. And that was a lot. Yeah, that was that was good. It was respectable. Uh, so, I mean, that just kind of speaks for the progress. Because with this year, I mean, we literally shot... Even if we skipped a week, and I think we did the first week of January, and that was it. We've shot two multiple times, like, in a week or, you know, a couple, like, a couple episodes just to kind of keep mm-hmm. them busting out. So, in the eyes of, like, the people we're promoting to, it's like we constantly have the episodes coming out even if the timeline isn't matched up with exactly when we shoot them and when we drop them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they know we're on it. But that's kind of, that's kind of like, I guess some of this has been like impromptu decisions we've made anyway, but part of it also is fun because people don't necessarily know when we reach out to people or they don't necessarily know, what, you know, to shoot the episodes and when we're going to drop them and stuff. So like we can constantly surprise people with guests because nobody knows what our plan, like what we what we do, you know what I mean, how we orchestrate, like, the scheduling and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty. It's. It's wild how far we really came. I mean, the promotion. It's why it's kind of funny to say, but the promotion almost feels like the hardest part sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like coming in and actually doing the episodes. Like, yeah, it takes the commitment of actually showing up and putting in the time to do it. But it doesn't feel as hard as forking out the minutes and other days where you have a lot of other shit going on. But you're like, oh, damn, I got to get on social media and try to share this and say something about it. Like, I don't know why that seems like such a task. I don't either. But it always does. It does for this. It does for my blog. It does for anything. Like, whatever. It almost feels like you're, like, pandering too much, too. Even though it's like you have to get your stuff out there for people yeah. to see it. Well, and, and what I don't like is... I, well. Nobody has said this to me or anything either, but I don't want it to feel because I'm promoting it and it's our shit. I I don't want it. I don't want it to feel. And I'm not saying it doesn't, but I don't want it to feel disingenuous, like the words I'm speaking, because it's part of the promoting. You know what I'm saying? I, I yeah. want it to meet like. That's why, like, I post separate shit for my personal stuff and then the page, and that you know what I mean. Like, we do different. We we do it differently. You know what I'm saying? Like, just all together. Like, it's you're gonna say different shit, but. Uh, but also, it's because we run our own game. Like we don't have a team of people to do it. Like we literally get together, film, promote, release, and like distribute the episodes to all the places ourselves and promote them ourselves. Yeah. So like nobody owns anything we do except like us our uh, on our own shit. Like that's it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. That's almost like a way. So it's like that people get burnt out faster sometimes, but it doesn't really feel no, that because, way with this because it's all it's still laid back. Yeah, really. Well, in one a week is uh, is definitely consistent enough to be to keep people aware, but it isn't burning us out to the point. And even though sometimes it's like, oh man, we got to do all this shit for it. Is like even just like a, not comparing us to like a movie or you know whatever. But even the filming is only one part of it. Like you're saying, you got to. You got it. We edit them together. We just do our little bullshit uh, for it, but then we promote them and everything else, and we want them to have their time before we're ready to release the next one. Mm-hmm. You know, usually, um, sometimes we got to drop certain ones like quickly or whatever. But the thing, the beauty of it is, they're going to be out there regardless, and they're going to all be promoted. So, like, even if you don't get to it for a while, like, it's still out there. Like, you can watch it anytime you want or listen to it. Yeah, um, that is the good thing about something like this or any kind of like you know modern age internet sort of platform you know because like if you get into something you know back in the day it was like damn I like this TV show you either go buy the seasons on DVD or you wait for them to come on cable and you hope they're in order if they air them the same time slot like every night like, I did that with a few shows back in the day. Like, with Adult Swim, I did that with, like, King of the Hill. You tried to watch it in order and on like TV? And, like, Futurama. Like, they would show, like, two episodes a night, and it would be, like, season two, episode two, and season two, episode three. And then the next night would be, you know, episode four and five. So it just kind of... But it was, like, that was the way you had to do shit. But now it's just, like, if you get into a new podcast or a new show or something, you can just find it on streaming or like like it on Spotify or something and then you just go back and look yeah. at the whole library immediately. Yes. Yeah, everything's at your fingertips demand like on demand just ready for 
you know, and that is something we take for granted too. That's why like certain uh, like just stuff doesn't feel maybe a significant or a special event like it used to because there's just so much of it coming up all the time that it really takes something to big to get over and really catch everybody's attention. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, because even going viral now, like, you, everybody can get their moment, but, like, sometimes it only lasts a week, and then it's over. Like, people might remember it. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah, that was big for a minute. But it's so, it might be prevalent as fuck nowadays. for a while, but then it's the next thing, and then they forget all about it. Like It really is 15 minutes of fame, now more than, like, ever It before. is. That's, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Because, like, you might not even be that. You could be pretty damn famous to where you could walk out in public and people would be like, oh, fuck, you're that guy from that meme or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, like, with a big chunk of the culture, but you could still be, like, irrelevant to another portion of the culture. You know what I mean? That's what's... Like, nowadays, people are, quote-unquote, famous to some and nobody to others. More than everybody has their own audience. Yeah. So it's like, you've got a degree of the people... But you not you might not have. It's very hard to reach like the masses. Like, it, like that's why everybody that was a somebody, for lack of better words, like you know, celebrity wise or whatever, had a leg up whenever all this shit launched. Because I mean, you were already a known public figure. Like you had. I'm not saying they didn't earn it, but like they they had a leg up in the sense that they were already known. So it's like you're gonna gain traction on social media and what and whatnot immediately. Yeah. Because you're already of cultural significance of you know some degree so yeah it's it's i mean but also there are a lot of people that were they weren't really famous that figured out the system and figured out how to manipulate the algorithm and like get everybody's attention and i'm not faulting anybody for that too because if you figured it out like dane cook or he was promoting oh, yeah, his shit like on myspace first. he figured out he's like man i could reach a whole bunch of people just doing this and like he sold out madison square garden because he yep. fucking knew how to promote himself that's the thing though about now because it's the internet has taken such a hold on society where it's almost like people like and really anybody if it's done right mm-hmm. and they have something anybody can get famous but nobody can get like famous anymore and like you know stay I mean? yeah and be like well, that guy or that girl even like if it, you're made reference to it's gonna be like oh yeah remember it, like for that 15 minutes of fame oh remember this they might remember it but they haven't thought about you since you know yeah what I mean? that's the thing be like oh shit that guy yeah they're like, like a decade ago yeah <laughs> but it's because of that little that week you had that you're on top of the world <laughs> That's what they do nowadays. Have you ever seen, like, at the end of the year, like, around New Year's Eve, people post, like, the meme of the month, mm. where it's, like, January, the big internet thing, then yeah. February, then March. There's literally something every month, every year, that something takes hold of the internet, and then it's the next thing the next month. You can, if you really, like, start catching on, you can almost feel it when it's happening. Like, this yeah. this past month, like, I don't know what you you ever think about it it was the submarine thing though yeah that's what just it took over <laughs> yeah so it's like and i mean that is it's so it's many people tragic. Make jokes about it's it. tragic so like way more like you know are, what man that's kind i'll be honest kind of fucked they no, like you saw it probably people we are friends with on there. oh like, yeah there were the jokes people. were everywhere they're like 
Oh, so the worst thing, they're like <laughs> billionaires at the bottom. But it okay, was only like one just billionaire. because they got money doesn't mean they're a piece of fucking garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know them. That wasn't no. like a prominent individual that anybody well, knew. And the thing is, is like, that apparently there was like one on there or whatever, and then there's like a father and a son, but it's like they had to have some money to pay for that trip. Oh, yeah. But it's like at the same time, People were like, that's how, like I said, it's kind of harsh. It sounds like a silly thing, but whenever I see just almost any post nowadays, and one of the top three reactions, maybe even the number one or two, like, is the laugh react. It just tells me nobody's taking anything seriously anymore. They're just like, ah, they're numb to so much shit. They're They're like, oh, he accomplished this, this, and this. But if he has some public heat, or she, or whoever, people are just gonna rip it apart and laugh at it, whatever. It's just like, these are things... I'm not saying some of them. Yeah, everybody's some all about them, compassion some of them until I agree. it comes to the internet. Some of them I kind of think are funny that people are laughing at. But like, but that's because of my own... Everybody has their own bias. So they're like, if they support the person, they're not going to think it's funny. Yeah. But if they... But I'm like I mean, everybody even else... Sometimes you can laugh at some yeah. things that you do support. Yeah, it's, and be like, ah, oh, that's kind of But funny. it's whenever it's a good thing. Like, I've seen people, they're like... People are laughing at fucking... They're like, oh, he's... He's trying to get sober this time, blah, blah. Like, laugh. People are laughing at this. They're like, <laughs> like people just menace and rip apart even good things if they're like, oh, you want his well, that's whatever championship. Everybody's like fucking so strong behind the keyboard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like they, you know, nobody, nobody, nobody has any remorse. If they had to, to, say face, to face down that guy or girl... Yeah. There ain't no way they'd be saying that shit. No. <laughs> no. So it's like, and I mean, maybe they would. Dude, people get but they'd injured. they a public embarrassment, and then they get laughed at. People get injured. Number one button I've seen. Laugh react. On like, oh well, that's been forever. Look at any, like, fail videos are one of the first things to get yeah, over on. It's the same reason... Uh, America's Funniest Home Videos Yeah, it was people was like largely too ninja. falling off a deck and smoking their heads and shit. People are like, oh, damn. Yeah. He got wrecked. So it's like, if it's not you, yeah, it's funny to laugh. But like, as soon as they be, if, if a video service of you tripping on something, getting a wedgie, fucking racking yourself on some branch somewhere, fucking, people are going to laugh at it. Like, have you seen on Sling? There's a whole channel on Sling you can go to 24 hours a day, and it's fail TV, and it's just fails for 24 hours. People just getting fucked up. You just sit there and watch it and be entertained. It's funny if it's not they're ruthless. You. No, they're ru- yeah. It's oh yeah. It's funny, and then and then it comes out. Nobody wants. Oh to no, people. Nobody has a heart anymore! Oh, yeah. (laughs) Everybody's like, everybody is the compassionate hero when it's something they like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if it's something they hate, they're on board. You can tell. Fucking slam. You can tell by the way they talk about it. That's why somebody like Tim Dillon is funnier than fuck to get online. It's just like (laughs) something that was like blatantly. And I don't mean to sound like heartless or but like if it was like a slight, like if it was a tragedy or just something that happened. He's like, he's like, I don't know. I think it was a good thing. <laughs> I think the fact that it happened was it just like ooh, <laughs> but like he's just not scared to fucking share his just ruthless opinion. But like he's also a comedian. And he has a dry sense of humor or something. So it's like if you don't get his shtick, 
It's like it's your fault. Comedians like, are meant to do that, though. I know, and like, who's drawing the, the the line nowadays if not them? You know. Uh, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one that's that way. I mean, Shane Gill. There's a whole. Mark group. Norman's pretty rough. Mark with Norman, some of Shane Gillis, Ari. Yeah. Like. I mean, there was even Tom. Pushes the bounds sometimes mm-hmm. with some of the shit, he, especially on his like podcast and shit. His humor, his personal humor, is fucked up. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, let me show you this, and he just shows his wife some fucked up video. And she's it's, like, oh they always my god, it together, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's got like fucking four podcasts. Yeah. He did um, one in Spanish for a while. We should try that shit. I I could cut probably you know. A paragraph in French, and then I'd be fucking done. <laughs> I think you're gonna say cut a promo in French. I couldn't go that far. I could not go that far. I don't think. Uh, Maybe if it was simple as fucking, real quick, thirty seconds. Do you want to start on some good, the bad, and the? My God, he's broken in half. <laughs> Shits. That today, hey, today is the twenty-fifth anniversary. Of the Mankind versus Undertaker, King of the Ring, 1998 match. Today, we're filming this. Yeah, it's... It is... One of the most famous matches, probably, of is. all time. It is. I'm gonna... I'll start us off, why not? I'm gonna I'm gonna put the match out there. All-time classic to watch. One of the most matches I've viewed in my life, just because I've Same. shown people it, and I watch it, because I'm just like, it's a piece of art. Not even because it was like, oh my god, it was like non-stop act. It was... But it was just such a insane story. Like after he got thrown off that hell in a cell, whenever he met the Undertaker at the top of it, mm-hmm. got back up. Like he was sitting in the aisle way. They're like, I don't know if he's gonna be able to continue this match and shit. And then he got back up and like got up the cell. And Taker fucking choke slams him through the motherfucker. Yep. And then the tax. Yeah, the the tax. He loses a tooth. That chair hit, hit a tooth out and went into his nose. Whenever he was yeah. On the, on the fall. On the fall. Down from the cell. Yeah. Not off the top of the cell, but through the cell. Yeah. The chair came down on his face after he already got thrown off the top. Oh, yeah. That that moment, though, will go down in history is just one of the most watched, one of the most viewed, one of the most remembered and recognized of all time. Like, So it's hard to downplay the match at all, but it's like at the same time, like you got people that are like, oh, it wasn't, you know, it's like it was a, but it's like it was such a great story of a match like i like if somebody were to come at me and question wrestling and you know i've even shown him that before like i literally showed the moment where he throws him off the the cell to people that are like oh it's that's some bullshit or it's you know whatever wrestling and i'm just like okay I'm like tell me that this is uh, that they bullshitted this they fake this they i mean tosses him off the cell all those hardcore just, matches in the late 90s early 2000s they beat the fuck out of each yeah other. And it was just, it's like, I, I mean, it's hard to say the match doesn't get its respect, obviously, because it gets a lot of recognition. But, like, I think it's rightfully so. It impacted the business, like, majorly. Like, and it's, to this day, one of the most remembered moments, like, in the history of the business. Yeah. And not to mention in Mankind and Undertaker. Like, and as great as The Undertaker was, it was like, it was also a story of, just watching the brutal beating that mankind could take, you're like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, it almost became more his match. Yeah, yeah. It kind of, even though Taker he got won. whipped, but that was yeah. almost Mick Foley's forte. Like, yeah, he it was. 
matches where he really took a beat down almost go down in history more as his match mm-hmm. than the person that was beating him down because it was like this guy could just get the absolute hell beat out of him and just, oh, he's back up, he's yeah. coming again. And you wanted to watch him. You're like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Taker just beat the shit out of him in that match. Like, it was like, it was no less than, like, 90 to 10 offense for Taker versus Mankind. Like, yeah, he beat the hell out of him. In oh, the yeah. bump, like, he, like, Mankind didn't really get a whole lot of offense in. In general, but like you watch the match and it was still like a fucking masterpiece in its own right. Whatever you rewatch it, even even though it seemed like we're talking about it like it was lopsided, you watch it and it was like a piece of art. It was just like this was an insane. It was piece of story. It was a Mick Foley piece of art. It's what mm-hmm. he's known for is that you know that yeah. hardcore like holy shit kind of style. Well, and and the thing is, if it was just a normal cell or if they had stayed inside the cell or I'm not, I'm not dissing matches that they've done that necessarily either, but like. If they had done any everything, you know, if it was just we wouldn't be talking about it unless it was this extreme and, and wild. People are still talking about it to this day. You know, WWE's got specials running on it this week and shit before it being twenty five years. Yeah, um, it's one of the most famous matches because a lot of that shit that happened that in that match was like real shit. Yeah. Was like, oh, oh yeah, no, there were moments you killed. couldn't fake. You like you take the bump or you didn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he got the hell beat out of him. So anybody that's... He had the wind knocked out of you so hard going through that cell to the, oh, yeah. through the fucking mat. He, I thought he said that that <laughs> might have been even worse, didn't he? Like, that bump that he took, they didn't <laughs> expect yeah. it to give. But... Because so he probably wasn't that prepared. That motherfucker's like 280, though, so he... I mean, there was... You oh, know, yeah. He could have given. He could have expected it, but... I mean, his body's brutalized nowadays. Yeah. I mean, he, that's the thing, though. Mick's still going. Like, he's in a lot of WWE, like, programs still, yeah. and he's in... He has his own podcast, and he does appearances at Comic-Cons and all this shit. Like, he's still and he's doing active and doing his stuff. Uh, wasn't he... Uh, didn't Did he do DDP yoga and try to get in more mobile uh, shape? I don't, I don't know. know if he did or not. I, I like, saw some Jericho video too. where he went to some chiropractor and got, like his spine aligned mm-hmm. and like just the cracks that he had was <laughs> wild <laughs> he's just like he's a lucky bastard that he can walk and function like the you know to be a, and I know that he did it for himself and I I have nothing but admiration for everything that he did oh he's but one like, of my favorites of all time but it's it is insane that he can still like the things he put his body through yeah when we knew even less than than we know now with and, and had the you know saying if something had gone wrong like the surgery like if he had fucked himself up in a major way in 98 like they would have been like dude there's no fucking way you can have another match like if he was t- you know what I'm saying like if but to be honest they didn't even they didn't look at it that closely either if he was like ah, I can still go they're like oh, well, just let him go yeah you know they didn't they didn't overanalyze everything like you know, like I mean, they down. should. The way well, yeah. They do now that way, no, I, I know. In a coma and shit. Yeah, I know. It's like, or it's, like paralyzed. But uh, but it is. It was more just kind of balls the thing to is, the wall. In certain ways, they take more risks now too. But the thing is, the difference. The is, moves are more. Risky. Yeah, the di- the difference is they're more calculated risks because there's so there's safer ways to do things than there used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, and it kind of. Balances out in a way, and at least in like WWE terms, they 
And I know we have our, like, complaints about some of the stuff, but they do, like, do their best to they try to safe make matches. everything as safe as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even the, like, the elimination chamber being padded, maybe that was a little, that could have been one step too far, but... Yeah. And, and I was just going to say something, because I, I was just going to say, it seems like AEW guys get hurt a lot, but WWE guys still get hurt a lot, too, like a whole lot still. So it's oh, like, re- injuries just happen in wrestling, because, I mean, you're throwing your body to the fucking ground and getting, you know, body slammed by people and shit all the time, like... Flipping over the top rope and injuries all shit. are always going to happen. Everything, like, every like, move that you do is yeah. a risk. Just like, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you're intentionally, like, you're falling and it's going to hurt, but you're trying to make it look the best you can without actually just really hurting each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's going to hurt. I mean, you're getting slammed to the mat. Like, you're going to have, you have to, the, the difference is to try to figure out a safe way to take all the bumps. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The safest way. Um, but. Which. Nowadays is probably better than ever, you know, when, mm-hmm. in terms of that. I mean, there. I'm trying to think of somebody off the top of my head. Like, can you think of anybody? Like, obviously, we can think of people that were, like, quote unquote, on, like, labeled as unsafe workers from time to time with different things, you know, and kind of got exiled from biz- the business with different stuff. But, like, can you think of somebody who. Jeff Hardy, but, like, somebody who. They took the way they took moves almost was like that looks dangerous as fuck. Like the way he sold that is almost like you're gonna get injured selling. Yeah. Jeff Hardy was that, but he it was just because he literally did take the risk. He was like, I'm gonna climb to the top of this 26 foot ladder and flip off of it through some tables. For the longest time, he didn't really get injured. Like you didn't really see him get injured. You didn't hear about him. His body's injured. broken now. Too. But now he's he's getting hurt. That's what I'm saying. Like some of these guys. Or going back in, and like Punk got hurt twice already, and obviously now he's back. And we talked about like last episode with Collision and the Saturday Night Wrestling shows and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I mean, he's got to be thinking like about working a little more. Like, not that he wasn't working carefully, but like even more than he was because like injuries are going to be more prevalent and easy, easier to get now and harder to heal from because he's in his mid forties now. He's like forty four, yeah. so. And he's expected to be at the forefront of their brand new Saturday collision show. So, you gotta stay healthy. Because, like, he's already gone down extensively with, like, two different injuries. And he's only been back not even two years. Yep. So, like, if the, like what I said before, uh, probably one of the recent episodes, it probably helped him in his body that he wasn't bumping for seven years. But literally, as the reciprocal effect of that, you weren't bumping for seven years. Your body's not used to it. So even if you feel better, your body might get more fucked up because it's not used to dealing with that day-to-day grind. So it's like, when you're in there for a while, like Cena, he was in there working all the time. It's like, he didn't really get injured because he figured out how to do all of his shit, still get his you know what I'm saying? And like, he didn't get hurt because he worked a safe way and he worked for a long time. Worked his way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he got hurt a couple, yeah, of course, because he was oh, yeah. there for 20 fucking years. Back, tore his back. But, it, like we were saying, like, you're literally, it's not even, in sports in general, you can get really hurt, but like, in wrestling, you're intentionally putting yourself in harm's way to, like, and things are gonna go wrong from time to time. Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, even if it's like, you know, quote unquote, an act and it's like, oh, this happened, like, 
It's physical as fuck. Yeah. And you're taking some real slams. Even if you're taking them to a thing that gives, mm -hmm. if you don't land right, you're fucking yourself up. You're dropping... These guys are six foot six, and they're taking yeah. you from the shoulder and spiking it, you to the mat. It's not even... <laughs> it's not even always... It's not even always, like, moves and shit that go wrong or just whatever that people, you know, get hurt and different stuff happens. Guys, like... Just experience like wear and tear, and uh, you know what if you didn't stretch or hydrate properly or whatever. Like we've seen dumb injuries, guys like pulling muscles and tissue and breaking, but just for like you know overextending their shit. Like I'm gonna remember Sammy fucking was doing his thing when he came yeah. out to the, he like injured, he like tore some tissue or whatever, just throwing his arms up and doing shit. Getting like if your shit, pumped. if you don't, yeah, if you don't like. You know, you gotta nurture so your they body. They gotta really stretch before they get in the ring yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. You gotta really nurture your body to do it. And, and people think because it's, if it's a predetermined outcome, it's like it's, it's a walk in the park. It's like, you would be gassed, man. Most of these, most of the regular oh, people, I'm not trying to shit on like everybody, but like, as a regular person, you'd be gassed in like five fucking minutes being in there in the ring oh, yeah. in front of a whole audience. Like, it's gonna take a lot out of you. So, like, for you to act like just because it's predetermined, it's a piece of cake, like, that's. So misrepresentative of wrestling, it's ridiculous. I mean, God, you know, God bless him, I love him. But Shane, I mean, take him, for example, at Mania this year. He came out and did, you know, simple move. He just tried to leapfrog Miz. Mm -hmm. Comes down, tears his quad. It's like, he's getting older. if you're not in it and doing it consistently, you're not properly trained or you haven't properly stretched or, like, really worked out in a while to, like, be... In ring shape, you're gonna get fucked up. Shane probably didn't even. I don't know this for a fact, so don't quote me. But no, I mean he probably didn't even do any of that shit. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna go out there and do my thing. And he's like, yeah, he's probably just pumped. He's like, fuck yeah, I'll be at Mania. I'll do whatever. Isn't it an irony that he tore his quad like just like you know, <laughs> make man curse, dude? And, ah! even, and even Triple H, who's married into the family, he's got quad problems. Yep. Oh man, you can't. <laughs> you affiliate with the McMahons, you fucking tear your quad. That's why Stephanie hardly ever worked. Yeah, she's like, I ain't fucking yeah. doing this shit. <laughs> had like four matches or something. I don't know how many she had. She had more than that, probably. But she got her ass whipped by her dad in one of the cringiest storylines of all time. <laughs> Gee, I can't even remember that. Ruthless I, aggression era Vince was honestly the most like diabolical, despicable evil yeah. Vince of any of them. Because, <laughs> like, well, the Attitude Era one, he was, like, he was rough, but he was kind of, like, an asshole. Like, in that, he was... He was just a prick boss yeah. in the Attitude Era. In Ruthless Aggression, he was, like, a scummy, pervy, <laughs> conniving <laughs> asshole. Like, ah! He's like, I'm gonna kill it! I'm gonna kill what I created! <laughs> I'M GONNA KILL IT! <laughs> Mania 22, he's like praying, he's like, God, tonight, I'm gonna send your favorite wrestler like, straight to hell. <laughs> Dude, the fucking spirit squad. Just, and I know it might be an underrated opinion, or an overrated opinion, depending on who you are. My mind, Mania 22, Mania 23... Two of my favorite WrestleManias. Yeah. I love those Manias. They were good. I mean, 
like there are some manias that I think there were there were like there were more uh the cards were better overall. But there was like I know there was several like bangers from both of those manias. Oh, See, yeah. like what I would say for the twenty two one was that was probably and I'm not saying it's it fantastic. sucked. I'm not no, I'm not saying it sucked. But the Money in the Bank was probably one of the more lackluster in the Mania run of Money in the Banks. Because it had, like, people that were not going to win. Like, it had Bobby Lashley at the time, who I like, but he was 06 Bobby Lashley. Like, Finley, Ric Flair. It's like, none of those guys are going to win this fucking ladder match. Yeah. Like, I mean, Shelton did some Matt, cool no, shit. Matt Hardy was in it, Shelton, and, like, somebody else. In RVD that, won. Yeah, which was obviously the best pick uh, for it. But, like... You know, there were, I don't know, there were some, but then there was some really good, like the Ray story, the Sean versus Vince match. Honestly, I was thought, tremendous. I thought Cena and Triple H, great match. I really did. The entrances, fire, the crowd was electric as fuck. Yeah. I almost felt like, and it's wild, I almost prefer the Cena and Triple H match to the Cena and Sean match. I don't. And it's wild to say, but it's like. But I prefer the Cena. It felt more like. Like, an electric environment. It was almost like Cena's, like, for real cemented moment that he was like, alright, this is yeah. the guy. Regardless, regardless if you're gonna cheer him or boo him, he fucking beat Triple H in the main event well, of WrestleMania. And it was cool, though, because that further cemented where he beat Sean because it, it was another main event player who had been to the mm-hmm. big stage and, like, he had... That was a great He gained too. a lot of credibility. And I would say that I would strongly prefer their Raw match over their Mania match. It was. Yeah. A, I mean, I'm not shitting on the Mania match. Their, it was good. Their Raw match, but was their Raw one match, one of the best Raw matches was of all time. Great. Their Raw Maybe match, my favorite, was match. fantastic. And They're like literally my him, like one A and one B. So him, it's like him fucking like Sean coming off the top rope doing his like flip around and then coming back, seeing it going for the FU, which it was known as at the time. Sean reversing it, coming back, super kicking him, sweet chin music, falling on him to end it. Pinning him and that ending was fucking a piece of art. That was perfect. That <laughs> oh, ending, yeah. you know, Sean was probably like, "Oh no, I got an idea. We'll do this." And you know, so it like didn't even make because it looked like even in beating Cena on Raw, it preserved Cena's credibility even after their Mania match because you gave Sean a win, but it was a non-title match. But and they went but, for damn near an hour. But Sean falling on him like it literally looked like he gave it everything he had. And he fucking fell on yeah. him, and Sean won the match. It was just like, damn. Like, it was kind of reminiscent of their Backlash 07, but it was Sean super kicked Cena, and he landed on Edge, and then Sean couldn't make it yeah. to break up the cover because he yeah. was just down. It was so got the win. It was so good, <clears throat> and I would think maybe like Sean probably called that. You know what I mean? Like to be honest. Yeah. Once again, this is speculation. I don't know that for a fact, but like. No, Sean, he was. He I mean, was, he was, was art, also. He was an artist in the ring. Cena was also. An, it was 07 Cena, so like. I mean, Cena, yeah, he, he was experienced, but he wasn't. in ring capable, for sure. And yeah. he, like, he had um, the mind for the business by that point. He knew mm-hmm. what to do, what not to do, and, like, how to work. But I'm sure. Cena. I'm sure Sean knew. Yeah, but Sean was an artist. I'm sure Sean knew what was going to make him look the best he possibly could. Yeah. So. I think, I heard, I don't know if it was true or not, but I heard, like, speculation that, uh, there was some part in their Mania 23 match that didn't, that they missed or that Cena messed up or something that Sean was, like, 
wanting to do and sell for the match, like, to make it, you know, a bigger thing, mm -hmm. and it didn't happen. And then, like, after the match, he was actually kind of grumbly and, like, upset about it. Sean? Yeah, so when Cena, like, when Cena went to shake his hand after the match outside the ring, because Sean was actually leaving. Yeah. So Cena, like, followed him up the ramp, like, pulled him around to shake his hand, and Sean was just like, no. Damn. And, like, left that that wasn't even planned, that Sean was supposed to shake his hand in the ring, and he was just like... It kind of looked like something was... <laughs> So, but I think that, him. that Raw match kind of made up for it in a way because it was like yeah. Cena's other chance to kind of and not just that, but Cena went him. twenty fucking minutes longer than the Mania match. Yeah, so it was like he kind of earned Sean's respect in the in the fact that he had the stamina to go that long with you know perhaps the goats or one of the goats you know ever. So it was just like damn, because like that was live Raw. Yeah, you know they they had to put. Push other they went shit the next like week. Forty to forty-five minutes. So it was like I always heard that was Sean's kind of thing too, where like everybody had like, okay, you got fifteen minutes, go out there and do their thing, and Sean just didn't care. Like when they told him a time limit, he's like, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. Well, he like danced to the ring and dicked around, and he, like he would <laughs> he would break it up with. I mean, his in ring work and shit too, but like he could do that because once you saw him get in ring, it was just like damn, like he fucking yeah. he was an artist. Yeah. He's charismatic. He sold fantastically. His moves always looked crisp. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Even to the point he retired at Mania 26, he still looked crisp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was good. He was still... And that was what was beautiful about his retirement, was that he was still on top of his game yeah. when he left. Like... That's what made it perfect. That's yeah. why that... DX, Brothers of Destruction shit, never happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it happened, and we watched it. Crown Jewel, baby. Was Crown Jewel was actually... Crown Jewel 2021, fire. Like, they've had okay shows, but they've had some dog shit Crown Jewels, too. Yeah. Uh, so, back to the Hell in a Cell. I was going to say, let's say the match. I was going to say, obviously, not the... The pay-per-view is honestly badass. You had... That was the co-main, and in the main, you had... Steve and Kane for the world title in a first blood match. And, like, yeah. while I put over, obviously, Steve Austin a lot of the podcast, obviously, he's but he's my, favorite old, he's my favorite ever. Even Stone Cold Steve Austin in 98, on top of his game, people getting out of their chairs every single time he came out and they heard that glass break. Even him and Kane could not follow that Hell in a Cell match <clears throat> in that beer view. Like, no, like, there was nothing that was going to be able to follow that. I mean, still to this day, people talk about it over current shit. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. uh, but it was so like, and that's why the, I. It's why I think at least they made the call because Kane was tied in with do it anyway with Undertaker being his brother, and they would they would still had a reminiscent storyline going on with that, and Stone Cold and Mankind had their history a little bit too, um, but. I think that's also why in the first blood match they brought back out Mankind and Taker because then what they even though you saw their match what they did at least they brought their it's like at least how they, is this guy walking let alone yeah. getting involved well, in this shit well they brought him back <laughs> out to kind of make it to keep the interest of everybody feeling like okay well these guys he may be still a spotlight but you're getting to see him again in the world title picture match yeah. so it's kind of and then of course Steve doesn't lose clean anyway. Taker hits him in the fucking head with the steel chair. Steve gets busted yeah. open. So, 
Kane didn't even bust him open to see if he lost the belt. That was one of those matches, too, where Kane was, like, head-to-toe covered. Yeah. Even he, his face with he, the mask. Because he had like, one of the how arms. How is he going to lose? He had one of the arms because people were like, oh, man, is he going to take the mask off? Is he going to rip the... You know, but then it was still years and years before he took the mask. It was still yeah. five years before he took the mask off. Probably yeah. about exactly, because it was June that year of 03, and it was June the Hell in a Cell match. Um, but, no, I mean, one of my favorite all-time matches to this day... I if some if I wanted to I don't even know if I would use the word impress but I mean maybe but if I wanted to show somebody like what the heart and soul of like professional wrestling like what things can be and like just what they go through and like the sacrifice they put their bodies in line for like I always said I was like I would maybe show one of the TLC well, matches so much or one of the TLC matches or like uh, you know a hell of a cell just for somebody that might not be a wrestling fan that's just like you want to show them oh man you're gonna watch this just, this shit's wild no oh, yeah. And you show them that stuff, and they'll be like, "What? Like, because those are real bumps. Like, there's there's not strings attached to people. Like, they're taking yeah, these Triple H and Taker to put on some just so, brutal ass shit in the early 2000s too, in the late 90s. Like yeah. that era, it was just like some of the shit that people were doing in some of their matches. It was like, my God. Oh yeah. Like I recently watched, not to even get us off topic again, but the Triple H and. Stone Cold, Three Stages of Hell, from like No Way Out, 2001. That That match is so damn good. And it's so like, brutal. They beat the fuck out of each other for like 45 minutes. (laughs) Didn't Steve like win the singles match, but then He won the first match, and then he lost the second two. But it was awesome, because like, he hit Triple H with a lead pipe, as Triple H hit him with a sledgehammer. And Triple H fell on him, and that was, like, how he won. So, it was the singles match? What was the second stage? I, I think it was just uh, a street fight, or, like, a... And then was a... And then a steel cage. Oh, a steel cage. It's but always, they, were, they, they were so fucking brutalized by the end of the street fight, and you were like, yeah. oh, my God, oh, they yeah. got another one. It's. I think it's cool whenever... Because eventually they they introduced Chamber, which, I you know, I like a lot. Same as Hell in a Cell. I love the Hell in a Cell. Uh, but... Uh, oh, the Hell so in a Cell is maybe my favorite yeah, stipulation. Eventually, know. the Steel Cage kind of got overshadowed, so it's fun to see it now and then, like, portrayed. Like, it's a huge thing. They're like, oh, they're going to settle up in the Steel Cage because you're like, man, they could get each other bloody as fuck and, like, make this, like, a, a real thing, you know what I'm saying, like a real, yeah. like, definitive ending or whatever, or like, just a steel case, like, I love them still building it like it's a big deal, because now we've seen a lot of other excessive stipulations and shit, which they're cool, but a steel cage should still be preserved as its own, you know, lock them inside and just have them skin the fuck out of each other and within yeah. a cage, you know, you can't leave, like, unless, like, you win. Uh, I, part of me thinks that exiting the steel cage should be the only way to win, you know what I mean? Going out the top, yeah. Yeah, because, like, how is it? Yeah, pinning almost feels like it's like, well, it's just a regular match, but you're locked in there. Yeah. And they only made the fucking door opening for the fat guys and shit. Oh, is he? Go out the door. It's like, don't put King Kong Bundy in a fucking steel cage match. Well, they did that with all those guys. Big Show they put in there, and... Show's capable of climbing it, though. I Maybe. If it's not, if it's a normal chain link, not reinforced fence, he's fucked. Maybe, yeah. That dude's like, he was like 400, he was like almost, he was over 500 pounds in his You know there was probably a really good, maybe even underrated seal, or uh, Hell in a Cell match, 
was DX versus the McMahons and Big Show. Oh, that was fantastic. That was a great Hell in a Cell That was match. a fantastic match. They beat the that show shit was out of each other. What, what that was, was that Cena and Edge? Edge was the oh, that was a the great, Cena and Edge TLC match. That was a match. great show. And that match. It was like Morrison, show. Carlito, and like Shelton Benjamin in like a triple threat for the IC belt or something like mm-hmm. that, too. And they're all like that. Unforgiven 06. Yeah. That was a fire. And that was like, you know what that, the other thing was? That was like strictly a raw pay per view, too. Yeah. It was like that was in that, that era. Like, oh, like what, 05, 06, 07? I think they did that. that. Yeah. That they did. It been. exclusive. It probably, it probably they started doing was. them together again in like early 08. Yeah. But they always did the big four together. You had to. Yeah. Survivor Series, you have to do that. WrestleMania, you have to do that. Yeah, you got to load the card up. Royal Rumble, you have yeah. to because everybody's involved in the Rumble. Yeah. yeah. And SummerSlam's just your. It's gonna feel big bigger show. if everybody's there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, what do you think? What do you think? The match. Man, it's hard because it's definitely not underrated. It's one of the biggest matches yeah. in wrestling history. Yeah. And, like, in a way, I could see the argument for overrated. And not because it's not a fantastic match, but because, like, Mick Foley and Undertaker both had so many legendary matches that it's like... Mm-hmm. That match, I mean, it wasn't that long. There wasn't really that many wrestling moves. It was just brutality. I mean, but also the stipulation made it to where you knew it was going to be a lot it wasn't going to be like the best worked match it was going to yeah, be more it was, like a, it was just brutality yeah you could tell that when they started on the top oh he's going up <laughs> he's fighting back he's fighting back but I'd say fair just because yeah. like it it I think it deserves all the it respect it also brings gets. intrigue to people that aren't even wrestling fans, it does which yeah. is I mean, that says something in itself, because that's, I mean, that's kind of cool. You know, people mm-hmm. kind of like... I've showed people that video. If people like, aren't into wrestling, a lot of times they kind of bash it. They're just kind of mm-hmm. like, ah, fuck that dumb shit. You know, especially if they're a damn MMA fan. And I'm not even shitting on all MMA fans, mm-hmm. but they feel like their shit's the best. They're like, oh, it's real. They're in there, they're beating each other up. That WWE shit, it's dumb shit. It's like, man, you know what? Your shit p- might not be real either. That shit could be fixed. Any any combat sports could be easily fixed, man. And I'm not saying UFC is. I know that's a fucking blanketed statement to make, but it's like to just look at pro wrestling as a whole and label it as like fake is like mm-hmm. that's not the case. They're going in there, they're taking risks, they're beating the fuck out of themselves, and that was a perfect example of that. So yeah. Oh yeah. I'd probably, yeah, I'd have to give it a fair How, how do you fake somebody fucking flying off the cage 16 or 20 feet in the air through a table? Like, you just, you don't fake, you just do it, or you don't do it. Like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the only way to take the bump is to take the bump. And, like, he took the fucking bump. They thought he was dead. It's like, McMahon and a bunch of medics ran out there. And Vince knew he was going to do it, too. He's like, oh, because he and was... that was an era was, where Vince was, like, a heel prick. Mankind, and he still came out there like, oh, Mankind, God. like, literally was, uh, I mean, Mick Foley, like, he was just, he, he felt like they were going to be so overshadowed by Sean versus Taker, and he's just like, what can we do that's going to set this apart, like, and 
I think it was Terry that said Funk that said he's like, I don't, you know, why don't you start the match on top of the cage? Yeah, like, they didn't do that. that on this and and like then they play in the spot. Apparently, Taker turned him down on throwing him off again and again oh, and yeah. again. And then eventually, I heard that he said, eventually yeah. went. He went to Vince. And to himself. He heard him say it, yeah. Mick went to Vince himself and was like, hey, you know, we should do this or whatever. And even Vince was like, I don't know, man. But he, like, had convinced him that he was yeah. completely down. He but beat, Vince, he Vince okayed it. Agree, Taker and was Vince, like, yeah, yeah, okayed it. And then they both went to Taker about it. Taker was like, fine, you want me to chuck you off the shit? I'll fucking chuck you yeah. off the shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said that he, he was even, like, standing on top of the cell, just, like, just move. So I know you're not paralyzed or dead. Oh, yeah. Just move something. <laughs> and then they started raising it with him still on top. Yeah. Like, legitimately. It's just, like, it's cer- at a certain point, he was probably, like, fucking, I don't know how many feet in the air. It's just, like, dude, I'm still up here, man. <laughs> Mick Foley, too, even said, uh... They were wheeling him out on a stretcher, and he's like, you know, that was legitimate. They were that worried. Oh, yeah. And he's like, and the crowd chanting Undertaker, you know? And he's like, and in my head, I'm just sitting there all fucked up, hurt, and I'm just like, man, yeah, maybe you guys are cheering for the wrong guy right now. He's like, and I love Undertaker, but I'm like, <laughs> look at what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's why he turned down getting on the stretcher at the end of the match, too. He's like, I was on a stretcher earlier, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah, and they're like, he's like, nah, he's like, I'm not going on a stretcher two times in one night. So he just, he walked off, and I'm like, that was awesome. It was such a good, even the in-between moments, everything that they did, like, made that match what it was, like, the masterpiece that it was. And it wasn't a masterpiece in a classic sense of, oh, my God. Like, yeah, this they was, didn't put on wrestling it was, skill. It was just, match. but it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful fucking car crash. Man. I mean, it was like, that's what Mick Foley's known for, though. He's like, yeah. even when his matches aren't hardcore, necessarily, like, I mean, even look at the match with, like, Sean mm-hmm. at Mind Games. That match was just a normal match, and he still, like, he took a suplex, what, from the ring to the exposed concrete yeah. on the ground. It's like, he still found ways to just take... Rough ass. Those spots. are cool. I love when they do stuff like that, and like just calculated, like you know, um, the psychology of it. So like, oh, let's pull the mat up, you know, bounce you off that because it's like to the wrestling person, like person's like logic to like, oh fuck, like the exposed concrete. Yeah. Just thinking of things like that to do are, are cool. Uh, but that was the end of it, and even in '96, like that was one of Sean's title defenses after. Yeah. But he lost the belt to Sid for a minute, but then gained it like right back the next pay per view. Um, yeah. But uh, they do that often, though. If somebody wins the belt at Mania, like then they pull the belt off him, not to like Steve, when, or, and then he got it right back from Kane the next night or yeah. whatever. They do that often. I feel like to once they stick with somebody to kind of show, okay, like we pull it off him, are they still going to be behind him, or he you know gets it back, or is it still going to get get some credibility because he loses it and just is able to get back, you know, get the belt back immediately, just like. Um, it's all about the wrestler too, and yeah. how, how good they're able to sell their what uh, redemption story. What do you got, topic wise? Well, we can stick on the wrestling. Oh yeah, we're on it. We might as well. What's your take on legends putting over young new talent? 
And I'm like, it's obviously best for business not to quote, you know, Johnny or Anitis, but like, it's it's what needs to be done to establish guys. Like, oh fuck, they got to win over yeah. Cena. They got to win over, you know. Well, that's they the natural. They got to win over Sean. They got to win over Stone Cold, all these yeah. things. But it's like, after a while, when you like grow up with these guys or like certain talents too, you don't want to see them come back just to lose mm-hmm. every time. You're like, let me let me get that vibe. Let me get that feeling again. Like, oh fuck yeah, they got them. They got to win at SummerSlam or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, that's what was cool about Goldberg's return and like different guys like that. Is at least they picked up some wins. Or like Ray, for example. Ray, one of my favorite of all time. I'm sick of seeing him lose on weekly SmackDowns. Yeah. I don't want to see it every week. Like, I get putting over young talent, but make it matter. Don't just, like, put him up against some fucking new guy that just debuted a month ago on a random-ass SmackDown and have him take a meaningless loss. Make it incredible. Yeah. you're You're just, like, trying to discredit this person's legacy they created before all the shit. Mm. This newer audience just is going to be like, oh, yeah, I guess they were a legend, but I just see him get their ass kicked. Yeah, I don't fully like the whole, like, and I mean, I understand the premise and I respect it, like, of passing the torch and all that, the sentiment of it. Yeah. But don't, like, don't be like, oh, okay, well, these are the old toys. We're not going to play with them anymore. We're just, we're just going to, they'll just, they'll just go in the background and kind of be free. It's like, dude, it's like these guys, like, and I know part of it could be nostalgia for us or whatever, too. And like, you know, but it's like these guys, like, they deserve more respect than that. Like the way, and I'm not going to say AEW's handled everything, like everything perfectly or whatever, but the way they pres- preserve Sting and still made him look good is, like, them showing respect for what he's done for the business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and being, like... Of course, like, he's working tag team matches because, like, it probably wouldn't go as... You know, he's, he's like, 64-year-old man. Or 64, whatever he is. And props to him for still, like, sticking in and doing... You know, working for... He's on a dynamite match tonight, actually, as a matter of fact. I think a singles match for Sting would be cool for, like, his retirement match. Yeah. Like, if he had, That's what like, I said. If he had, like, a one-on-one with, like, MJF for the belt... Or something that'd be sick. I was thinking it would have been cool for him and uh, Punk to have like that to be his retirement. That'd be cool. I think if they could do him and MJF at All In and Wembley for the belt, his retirement match, Sting? that'd be sick as fuck. Yeah, but I don't think it'll happen. No. But that's like cool Sting fantasy booking. Will work at All In. He's got to. It's gonna be. I don't even know how many. They've almost sold seventy thousand tickets now. That's pretty wild. 70,000. Nobody has any idea what's even on the card still. I mean, that's the thing, though. The England fan base, they just want wrestling, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting money in the bank. But no matter what, it's already a, it's first. already a financial success regardless. Which they need. And I'm yeah. not, like, trying to shit on them, but it's like, man, it's been a t- it was a tough year for yeah. AEW. So it's like, well, if they're gonna, if they're going to stay established as, like, a the company they are. And, I mean, Punk, yeah. Like, Punk is a great talent to have on your roster, but also with all... And I'm not taking sides either way, but, like, with just all the shit that's happened in WWE and now in AEW, and just, it seems like it follows them. Mm -hmm. Toxicity. To where it's just, like, even him 
he's not as over as he was when he debuted in AEW. You know, like there's he's get like he's getting a fair amount of booze now outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like pe- there's some people that are like, okay, and I mean I do get it at times too because Punk has put on some bangers of matches, but Punk's always been known more for his mic work than his matches. Mm-hmm. So it's like. And he's legend status at this point, too, so he can almost get away with that. But to a point. Like, if you're going to kind of run collision on, oh, this is CM Punk's show, mm-hmm. he's got to put on some stellar matches, too. You yeah. know? And the crowd's got to feel him, whether it's one way or another. Like, with John Cena, it was always... A, everybody had a reaction. Everybody was on their feet when his music hit. That's you cheered him when you booed him. You're on your feet. With Punk, it's got to be the same way. Like, yeah, he's got people that are going to love him more than they ever loved him before now because they know he's getting some heat, Mm -hmm. and there's going to be some people that are going to boo him because of the shit that's happened in recent history. They, Yeah, and that's that's one of those things, like, that he... That's why I think that he built, for sure, whenever he came back at the first collision uh, just a week or two ago... um, that's why he built that in, and he's just like, you can cheer me, you can boo, because like, yeah. he knew that was coming anyway. He knew, like, it was going to be a more diverse... Do you do you agree with Jim Cornette? Did you hear the shit he said with Bonk? He's like... And I could see, especially now with all the controversy and the turmoil backstage, like... He said something like, he's going to run up his contract in AEW, he's not going to re-sign... He'll sign, like, a year or two with WWE. He'll do part-time work, and he'll be back with his friends, and he'll have his retirement send off there. I've heard him talk about that, yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. And, I mean, I could... It, de- it really depends on how this next chapter I, I in AEW goes. I don't think he would really want to be utilized in a way that was going to make him unhappy in WWE, though, either. Like I, well, that's, it's CM Punk. He's always unhappy. <laughs> but I just don't think... I don't think he would want to do it for anything less than the main event of WrestleMania like he always wanted to. You know what I mean? And the thing is, this is already a 44-year-old Punk. So, I mean... Legends don't typically go in the main event of Mania. You know, unless it is the retirement match. And even then, rarely. It's Shawn Michaels is the only one I can think of where it was the oh it's a send off mm-hmm. he's gonna go be in the main event. Well, and what's Rick Flair? The, what's the credible that? match with CM Punk? Like, is it Roman? Face, is yeah. It, who, like, who is it? Because I don't bring know. back Hulk Hogan, brother. I don't know. I don't know if he would do it unless there was a guaranteed thing that he would. And I just I don't know. I I think because he's still involved in wrestling now, the door is is definitely more open than it was a, you know several years ago when he was still out of the business. Yeah. But because you would think at the end of the day he wants his career to be preserved and like actually respected and everything you know everything else he'd like to complete it the right way. But I don't know the bad blood there. I could still see him just being like, no, I want to be part of this company and then just call it a day and don't avoid WWE. I don't know. Um. Even then, I mean, he might eventually, maybe not for matches, but he'd eventually get inducted or he'd, you know, they do something, whatever, for him. I'm sure he'd eventually get back in contact with them, but. Yeah. 
There's no telling, honestly. It's uh, it's unwritten so far, and the story of CM Punk and all that shit. Regardless of what anybody feels, it's it's been interesting. It's kept everybody's infatuation since all that shit happened, and since he, it's kind of crazy because you just like everybody was so hype about him just coming back, and then some of the matches he was having with MJF and the feuds and shit that like dog that, like, match was so fun. It was, and that all of a sudden, whenever this whole post media scrum thing happens, it's like this is like now there's something all over again. In the limelight, having to do with CM Punk that is talked about end- endlessly. So it's just like there, he found another way. There's another way that he just stole the spotlight for however the fuck many months, many. After yeah, being just it's like a seven year disappearance hiatus. Yeah, much. but it just yeah, it, I don't know. It's yeah, we're not we don't have to get into all. He's that, just a controversial he, figure. He is. That's just what he is. But that's why he's got. He's honestly got to embrace the Cena effect of either getting cheered and booed at the same time, or just it's just, he's got to be who he is. And the thing is, if it it is starts I mean, to be that, like that's one of the things honestly that I loved about Cena too was like I grew to love that like hearing the music hitting the reaction like oh fuck like. Because it was one of the loudest reactions of the night, mm-hmm. every time, regardless. Because like, and you had you have to really like, be true to yourself and your character, and really stick by that shit to like, stick with it mm-hmm. through the cheers and the booze. It's just like I'm gonna keep being me, keep being this, you know. He the thing the thing is about it is. Some of the stuff he said was slightly like heelish, even though he was being very upfront about the way he was when Punk came back in a collision. Yeah. But he's got the ability to lean into it if he needs to be heel. So even if he gets a, a, a an obvious overly like boo and cheer, he can like they can always flip the switch and just be like, "Fuck!" He might get start get cheered again if he leans into being a heel. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the irony in it. Because That's how it goes. Always. The people love them. Like, the, yeah, because you're you're just you have more freedom and you can be more entertaining in a lot of ways. We're like, it's just the fact. Like, baby faces or just even faces in general have just sort of draw within the lines way more. Like, they just have to because that's just the way it works. Yeah, it's tougher. You know, it's tougher to be a baby. It's face. harder to be interesting. That's why I always think, you're... like, with Cody Rhodes, I'm like, man. I like Cody a lot. I'm glad the crowd is behind him. Mm-hmm. But it's also a surprise to me. Because I'm like, dude, in 2023, like, it's hard. He's like... It, it helps that he's, he's one of the truest baby faces in WWE. Oh, yeah. Like, through and through. There's not really many of them at all. So it's just kind of like... Him getting the reaction he's getting, it's like, that's that's pretty wild. But I'm wondering if it is sustainable. If it can just continue to last. Or if the crowd's eventually going to be like, all it's going to take is an opponent they want more than him, you know? A lot of people expected him to have his day versus Roman this year. And uh, yeah. what was your original? Um, oh, the legends putting over new oh, young talent. Uh, it's tough because, like I said, like if it's done right, it can be really meaningful and cool. Yeah. And great, and it can really like cement somebody and be a great part of a story. It's a natural, but man, sometimes, like I said, with Rey Mysterio and like guys like that, like where it's just like they're there on a consistent basis still, 
and they're just losing on weekly shows to these young just, guys. It's like, man. I would never do it the way they do it whenever they try to dissolve, like, the credibility by... It's like, I get it if you're acting like they're not no longer in their prime, but, like, I, you got to have respect for what some of these, even tag teams, or, like, when they brought the Dudleys back and then they got their asses whooped so many times. It's just, like, you if you're going to put this guy or this uh, tag team or just whoever over is, like, being this credible, like, legend still, they've got to be able to pick up some victories. I mean, they can't lose. They've got to showcase only. that they can still be who they were in order for you to believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because what what does it mean getting a victory over whoever if he loses every fucking time? You know what I mean? It's just, like, what it, like, like, and I'm not saying it makes him nothing, but, like, if Cena gets beat, Every fucking it's just that's like, what's kind of annoying me, dude. Cena's but, like one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, I grew up he hasn't on him. Had and I remember a singles that Cena victory in WWE since like 2018. That's what's wild. It's like a man, singles victory. You gotta have him win sometimes when he comes back. He can't just have a a big comeback where it's like, oh fuck, Cena's back. And then just have him lose at the next pay per view, and then he disappears again. It's like, yeah, it'll lose significance, man. And he's ha- he had a legacy on par with Hogan, Stone Cold, Rock, like yeah. those guys. You can't just have the, a person on that par come back and lose every time. Mm-hmm. It's like he's got to pick up some wins against some incredible that, people. He every can now still and then. work. Like he's, I don't even. Yeah, believe, he's not. Like, I don't he's even older, believe that he's, he's in great shape. I don't even believe that he's that he works as slow as he sells in his matches now. I don't believe that he's. I, I can no, I mean, I think he's still in pretty peak physical form. Yeah, but maybe not thirty year old Cena. No, but he's. Still, John Cena, and he still oh, yeah. looks great. Oh yeah, so. and he still works out and shit all the time. It's just not he doesn't he doesn't have as much of a reason to put on the size or keep on the size that he was having on. You know, what I, I mean? still am getting adjusted to the new hair. I'm not a big fan, <laughs> but besides that, uh, <sighs> see when it's like what you said. I mean, when it, when it's done right, it's here's the thing. It's a natural, organic part of the business. But there's a way you can layer it to where, like, you're keeping legend credibility and putting over the young guys and establishing them at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a way to layer it to where it's just kind of like, it's your time now, kid. Like, oh, fuck. Like, for instance. They can even come back and win most of the time. That way, whenever they take a loss to a young talent, it's like, oh, damn, they beat this guy. It puts that person over because they're like, this is the, you know, like, this is the person that, that, you know, went over them and shit. Um... But it's just, it's an organic part of the business, and it always, you know what I'm saying, it always needs to happen to help out the next generation, um, and shit like that too. I'm not saying every single, like, there, there's different characters, like, you, you mess with differently, I guess, but it's just, uh, I don't know, it, uh, you've got, like, you've gotta, you've it, gotta respect, it just, it does, it, does, it takes away, yeah, I don't think they should the significance, like, that. like like that picture that Austin Theory posted a while back. I don't even know if you saw it, but it was like him, like holding the belt up over like Cena, Ray, and Edge, and it was like, uh, I don't even remember the caption, but it was something along the lines of like, "These are the legends to you, but they're just 
another victim to me or something, you know, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. But it doesn't even feel as impressive. Because it's like, yeah, because those guys come back and they make them lose constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I think it, they deserve more respect. Like, I... I don't know. I think there's just a way to do it. There's a way to do it to, to preserve their credibility. You know what I'm saying? And like, in they don't have, it's clearly at a certain point, it's clearly not their time anymore. If they're, you know what I'm saying, at a certain age and like, you know, it's a young person. Yeah, they're like, not going to win the you know, world title. No, and like, it's, it's like, not going to go on a run more than like, unless they're really, like, unless you're like, okay, this is their last thing. This is whatever. But yeah. most of the time, like, they're not, that's not what they're there for anyway. At a certain point, like, guys, in, you know, we're not, like, they understand the business. They understand, like, you know, that. But some, certain times they just want to stick in the, you know, stick in there to, like, this is what they always did. So they're, like, they want to show respect and pave the way for the next generation. But I don't think it's... Yeah, they're sticking in there to work with the newer, younger yeah. talent. But that doesn't mean giving them the victory over yeah. them immediately. Yeah, and, and, well, that, that's the thing. That's, like, actually the point. I'm glad you said that because that was the point I was going to say before I just talked over myself and didn't remember, but... I uh, I think sometimes it's good because that you don't have to do. I'm not saying do it the same way every time, and you you shouldn't. But like, it's great whenever like one of the newer ones or like somebody calls out a legend or whatever. They're like, oh, whoop your ass, and then like the legend or whoever shows like they can still fucking whoop their ass, like still like to this day, like years later, just whatever, like that they they still got it, and like mm-hmm. that you know. So it's just like damn, because then that keeps the storyline going. It's just because the new the newer talent or whoever is just like. Like, I don't believe that you're, you know, that person anymore kind of thing. And, like, it just keeps it going. But it's just, like, the... Whenever you come out the gate with, like, the legend still cementing their status, I mean, like, no, I fucking won the match. I told you I was going to win. Like, you're not going to be at my level. And then if they do get the respect and they do go over that, like, you know, it's it's fun to, like, do it like that. Which is why, like, the... the no pun intended. The theory behind the scene of Austin Theory match, like, just about... Oh man, what if Cena wins and then he gets a rematch or whatever? It would have been cool, but it's just like it didn't feel built up or invested enough for him to just no. lose like that, and then for you to, for more importantly, and not that just Cena never he was not on not the show that, at all. Not that, that Cena couldn't lose. It felt like it was it, like it was just like that because it seemed like it was that easy for him to beat him. It's just like really he started the show. Yeah, it's and just they like, had a ten minute, fifteen minute match, whatever. It yeah. wasn't that long of a no. match. It was probably like 10, 12 minutes. And, and then it was just, oh, there it is. He beat him. Seen is not to be seen till he comes back again. Just, so, so it just, I, I don't it, know. the significance of it was just kind of like, if he's going to beat John Cena at WrestleMania in a, in a title match, mm-hmm. make it feel like it matters. Yeah. Like, and I get Cena's a busy guy too. It's not like he can just be there every week to do shit, but like, you can build that. Yeah. Austin Theory can build it most of the time and have Cena show up the last couple weeks before Mania. They should have made Cena a little... I guess towards the end there, they started making him look like he could win, but I think they could have made that even more of a convincing... Like, oh, fuck, Cena's got in the bag. Cena, yeah. And like, then just... Have him beat most of the match. Yeah. And it seemed like he's outdoing him, and then Theory like seemed like he's really like, oh, fuck, like he's in deep water, he's in trouble, and then he just... Finds a way. Well, that's the thing. He, he can easily pull some heel shit because just like Cena didn't like lose. He got fucked. Like it was like, geez, you know. 
and that's more heat on him because he went up like because on theory carry that further. On be like, I beat John Cena. Oh yeah, and on theory's record, it would be he owns victory regardless over <laughs> yeah. Cena, even if it was dirty. So it's just like he's got that over him, but it's like it was in a, such a heel tactic form, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say just to cap it. Uh, I'm gonna say. I think it's fair whenever it's done right. Uh, I mean, I don't like it whenever it's undersold and underdeveloped. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. somebody doesn't feel necessary. And not that... Here's the thing. I think he could have felt more ready and more right to get that victory over Cena if they had just put a little more investment in that storyline. You know what I'm saying? Like, before, like, they did. I wasn't watching every single clip and every single week. Like, I probably should have, whatever, but to really grasp it. But... I feel like it should have been let up to for a while, and like maybe they should have gone longer. Maybe they shouldn't have let off the show either. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking uh, too. I didn't know if Cena was like, I got some shit I got to yeah, be at at 9 maybe. p.m. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I think it's fair whenever it's done correctly because that's the organic nature of the business too. The reason you get these younger guys over as stars is because they beat some of these other guys that you respect and we've come to know and love. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. without that, you don't get that acceptance of them eclipsing to the next level without beating people that you know are stars. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And when they beat them, and when you're like, man, you're like, they're like they're a star now. Like, they conquered this person, this person. Like, they, you know, at a certain time. And it's not even always about that. It's it's not even just, oh, they booked him to win. It's you got to get over. you got to sell merch. you got to be... At the, you got to be the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be prominent. Yeah, it's got to matter. Yeah. It's got to feel like it it's, matters. So it's like, I don't want to just really see... change something you, in that person. You just acting like you're just the next motherfucker without convincing people and talking people into the seats, heat-wise, or to get them to cheer you. It's like, you've got to show more than... It's not even just, oh, well, we're going to book you to win this. It's like, are you over with the crowd? Can you fucking cut a promo can you, you know what I'm saying can you yeah. sell can you it's all these other things matter if you're gonna really be the guy that's gonna take the place of these guys that have been the doing crowd, this yeah for like, 10 20 years the crowd really is so, a big factor in that it's i've got you can sell merch you can sell tickets or you yeah. can get the crowd to react to you one way or another that's, what that's I'm the things that matter the most i've <laughs> even though we know how it works and shit like that i have got to believe it if I'm going to accept this person to be the next, you know, or to be yeah. like, or even if you don't necessarily love that person, to at least get you to say, okay, I can see why they're going with him to to be in this spot now. You know what I mean? Even if you're not the biggest fan of who that person is or, or them winning the belt or whatever, it's there's a certain point where you're like, if they build it credibly, you you're can like, almost, yeah, you you're can like, tell the vibe is you there. Can te- you can put your bias aside and be like, okay, because then you think of, the legend themselves, and you're like, okay, they wouldn't be willing to do this unless they believed in some of yeah. these people, too. Yeah, they wouldn't I mean? put on the match. Which, who knows, because I, I heard, seen, was it on that that Sam guy's podcast, I am Sam, I'm not Sam, or whatever? Oh, I don't know. He was on there, and he almost, like, seemed like he digged it, Theory. Like, he was like, ah, you know, yeah, he's pretty good, but he's uh, he's not there yet. I know who you're talking about. Uh, I forget his last name. This, yeah. Like, with the, with the fucking curly Three Stooges yeah. hair. Yeah. Actually, no, he, he almost seemed like he balling. dig at him in real life. <laughs> who? No, Larry. Larry. <laughs> yeah. Larry had the had, curly hair and like curly that. was bald. And he was like, curly, yeah. yeah. Curly was the bald <laughs> yeah. guy. 
man. And then you got Shemp, who didn't even fit this fucking scheme. Well, Shemp just came in to replace Curly. Yeah. And then Curly came back. Yeah. I don't know if Curly, uh, Curly's just like, fuck <laughs> these guys, I ain't getting paid enough. I what would you, what would you say for the, the Legends thing before we take a break? It's look. Maybe I'm a little hard. bitter because Cena, Ray, Edge, those guys are like some of my favorite of all time. So yeah. it's just like, but I don't want to sit here. I don't want to watch SmackDown and see. Oh, Ray's facing you know L.A. Knight this week. They've never had any interactions before, but I bet you Ray's gonna lose. I don't want to be able to guess something like that. No, because I want his name to matter. No, and the thing is, the going out on your back scenario. That's gonna matter a hell of a lot more if, like, you really think in their in their potential last match they have a reasonable chance of still winning. Yeah. And not, I'm not even saying if it's booked as their last or whatever, but if you really, if it's the stage is right, oh, John Cena, it's years from now and he's like ready for his last one. Like, you want him to still be able to, like, you know, you could see him winning the match because if and when he does lose and you're like, oh fuck, like this feels like it's the send off. Mm-hmm. You want it to feel like, goddamn, he gave everything he had and like this guy overcame, you know what I'm saying, like, uh, you know, went over on him. You want it to feel credible, and it's just like, you want it to feel like he beat John Cena. You gotta Cena, start making him fucking pick up some wins. You don't want it to feel like, oh, he beat John Cena, that everybody's beat the last eight years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that's no way to fucking... sad thought. Dude, he busted his ass way too fucking hard for yeah. it to just be thrown the fuck... Like, he did it for, like, carried the twice his as long. For a and I'm not in... in I love Cena, but he's not even, like, my personal favorite of all time. But he carried the ball, like, on his back, like, probably almost twice as long as anybody else that was credible enough to do it. And The like, modern era, dude, this guys is last like, so much longer. Though. And this is, like, you know, and this is kind of what he's, like, got towards the end of his, you know, it's just, like... That's what I mean, like, dude, Cena is because, one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Like I said, him and Sean are, like, 1A and 1B, so it's just, like... Seeing this now, it's just like, man, Yeah. I know he's a legend, now he's going to take losses to younger talent, but fuck, make it, make it seem like something. Make mm-hmm. people care about it. Don't just well, give and, the and victory give, to somebody. And give him credit, you know, and they don't even have to be, like, credible in the way, like, don't have him win a bunch of titles and do the shit, but, like, have him beat some people that are yeah, still respectable. Yeah, that's what I mean, like, give him some pay-per-view wins. Just so it's just like, oh, fuck, like, he's still, like, getting it done kind of thing, you know, because then he preserves his credibility, and you're like, damn. Uh, so your, 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 your expectation or that reputation for that superstar or whoever is still up here because he's still winning matches or her, whoever, you know. Yeah. Well, like, honestly, that's why I agreed with... Because I know the payoff is not over between Becky and Trish, and Trish won that match overseas. I almost feel like... So I was like, it's... I almost feel like at this point, Lita needs to come back. SummerSlam, we need to get Becky and Lita versus Trish and Zoe. I think that's what they're going to do anyway. I don't know, like... I haven't heard a lot of people even suggest that, which I'm like... Yeah. Why? Like, that seems like the obvious pick at this point. Trish is the one that took Lita out. Why would she not come back and try to get redemption? Yeah. It seemed like it's like, oh, Becky's going to handle both the, both of them now. It's like, no, like, I feel like Lita's going to come back in the picture. Yeah. And it's got to it's gotta be SummerSlam. That's a big show. So, we'll see. Well, and even if you wanted to have the tag team match and then and then milk the second Trishy, or Trish-Becky match, later you could. Yeah. After the tag team, you know. Um, but uh, do you want to go ahead and take a break? Yep. 
And we shall return with more good, the bad, and the shits. This is the fucking 25th anniversary of Mankind versus Taker Hell in a Cell. We're we're talking all the wrestling, all the classic shit. You've been listening to this whole 90-whatever episodes. You know. Oh, yeah. You know. If they're still tuning in, they know we talk wrestling. Oh, yeah. Especially on these solo episodes, (laughs) baby. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with you. Some more good, the bad, and the shits on episode number 94. Rolling back in from our break. Good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> Alright, shall we continue? Is it me? I think it's you. It's me. Oh, man. How about... How about this? How about this one? We'll roll right into the food from here. we just talking about proportions, right? Proportion, yeah. size, food... What do you think of the premise of eating three large meals a day, how they, I guess, at least historically recommended you to do? Some people now do it differently, I guess, but that's always the thing, you know, the typical eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Everybody doesn't have the same schedule, though, either, so they don't do it the same kind of way, I guess. Yeah. But I, I, you know, sometimes I'll have, like, one large meal, maybe a few smaller things, like, throughout the day, or, like, sometimes I won't eat very much during work, and then I'll go home and eat a lot more, like, kind of you intermittent fast that way, really, because you don't even, you know, really mm-hmm. eat a lot till later on, but I feel, I don't feel great whenever I have to be up and about, and I'm bloated and weighed down anyway, you know what I mean? I always hated it, because I hate, like, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying don't eat anything. Three meals, guys. Since I you know, since I moved out of my own, especially it's that way. Yeah. Because I'm like eating a little something on the run in the morning, before work. I'll have like a breakfast burrito. And From on the run. I usually I get like the Jimmy Dean box, and yeah. I'll just like heat one up in the microwave and eat it on the way to work. Mm-hmm. And that's I guess breakfast. And then lunch, it's really not much either. I'll make like a soup. Or, like, a sandwich or some shit. And then dinner, I'll either get it from someplace or I'll make something at the house. But I don't really, like, have meals anymore, mm-hmm. you know? I just, I, I, I'm a big snacker. Yeah. It's probably not good, but it's America, you know? And that's what I do. I snack all throughout the day. My it's stomach rumbles. It's America. Rumble. It no, is. hey, we love snacks here. We do. This is the goddamn nation of the snack, USA. You want a chip? You come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want some fucking gooey butter cake? I guess that's you the You come reason. right here. Yeah, you yeah. come right here. <laughs> uh, you want some, 
you know, candy, you want some ice cream, you want some... I mean, not that that's not everywhere, but man, we... It's good stuff. We love our junk food in yeah. America, and I'm, I'm well, definitely no better. The thing is, it's just, it's, it's, like, well, that, I don't know, that's the thing. People have the option, though, at the same time, you know what I mean? If they want to, like, well, I guess when you're growing up, your parents want you to eat, like, three meals a day and shit, but I don't feel, like, there's just days where I feel like crap, and I'm like, I'm not going to eat very much just because I don't feel... Yeah, you know, great. But then there's days that like, I'll just pick out because I'm hungrier than fuck, <laughs> and I'll just you know I'll just mow it down. But I don't know. I think the three, especially lo- like in large, because it wasn't. I guess you don't have to uh, put it like large meals, but that was historically what they wanted. They're like, oh, you gotta have. It was some crazy shit. It's like you people are like six to eleven servings per day grains. It's like. Really, and then like and like a bunch of other shit, dairy and, and vegetables, fruits. I feel like the food pyramid was such bullshit. Oh, they even no said it was it. nowadays. Yeah, they're kind of like, yeah, this was uh, that is an excess. This was sure. uh, you know, but that is Americana. The Food Administration's way of selling certain foods, mm-hmm. getting certain companies over. Uh, it was good for the economy. It wasn't necessarily the best for the health. I just think. I mean, do what you gotta do to get your fuel for the day, you know what I mean? Like, no matter what your your uh, method is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Eating, you know, but it's like... I don't think there's any necessary... I mean, you can eat as clean as you want, but I don't know if there's any, like, perfect way to but eat. But the classic... Yeah, I was gonna say, but the classic... Gorgeous. But the classic way, historically, is the three meals, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. But they're that's usually the way large. That's the way it's meant to be, but... Yeah, they're large here. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they're that way around the world, like... But they also have different kinds of shit, you know? They have tea time, and they do, like... They have different sort of, like... Breaks where they can snack and do different shit. So their meals... Their lunch, I feel like, in, like, Europe, a lot of European countries, like, the lunch is really light. Because they also have, like, a tea time where they chill and snack. It sounds awesome. You get two breaks in the day. You're like, oh, it's tea time. Come back and work two and a half more hours and it's lunch. Doesn't sound too bad. But no, honestly, the three meals, especially if they're like full-on meals, it's a little overrated in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But that's just from my standpoint. Like, some people do need that. And I, you know, it's just what they're used to and it's what they do. And if that's what you do, then that's good for you, like... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be like, oh, look at this loser that gets up early to make breakfast. Like that's that's a that's. I mean, that's a good move. It's just not. I don't necessarily think it's you know necessary. No, I get up. Well, and I don't think it's necessarily always like. I you know I get up too early to be able to really make anything, and like first thing, my stomach my stomach doesn't want something like overly large anyway. Like first thing, and I know I'm about to do something physical outside and stuff mm-hmm. I'm like I'm not trying to fill my stomach up with food yeah and then go oh I'm she gonna go around. lift heavy shit and hop off this truck and it's rough especially in the summer when it's a little hotter and shit out mm-hmm. I'm not gonna fucking eat a whole lot before we <laughs> be throwing up in the back <laughs> no it's it, uh, I don't know I wouldn't mind I guess eating but like I feel like that would also throw especially like what my body's used to now would definitely throw it off in a different dynamic and I have to change you know habits anyway yeah. to kind of accommodate that but 
I mean, I also overeat into the night in the evening, like we've talked about on here before, too long. Oh, yeah. Too long makes you feel like crap. At least, like, but if you do that, though, I don't have, like, I, this probably has to do with not wanting to eat in the morning because you're, like, you've already, you're, like, you're still plenty, like, nourished from, like, before, from, like, the night before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're kind of, like, burned everything off. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I would kind of rather eat, like, small meals or just, you know, maybe eat, a, like, a one or two and snack or just do whatever. Like, well, that's usually you get snack to have a good something. dinner. Yeah, and it depends what you eat, too. It's not even always about just how many meals or whatever, yeah. but it's, like, it's, it, you know, what it is, too. Usually put a little something down at breakfast. Mm-hmm. I have a light lunch. I try to have a dinner. And then I snack. While I'm at work, I snack in the evening. I get my food. It's just... You got to. The whole... I guess if you're eating big three big meals in a day, mm-hmm. you probably don't snack that much. Which, I don't know, maybe that's an advantage, but I also like my snacks, so. Like, what I like, man, I'm not going to give up eating, you know, some chips and some <laughs> M&Ms every now and then. <laughs> I enjoy I'm the not chips. having it! Unless I'm like, they're like, hey, your health's real bad. You need to cut back on the sweets, then maybe I will. But until that day, I'm eating my donuts, I'm eating my candy. And I'll brush the fuck out of my teeth to try to prevent any further damage that I haven't already done to them. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably agree and say overrated. Yeah. I don't think it's always necessary. And, like, you said you've had this kind of earlier, like Haley even said before, like, they're, the proportions are oversized. Oh, she, yeah, she never really can eat. A full portion. Well, like, no, I mean, they are, like... I'll yeah. gore, like, I'll just stuff myself because I'm like, it's not as good leftover most of the time. I'm putting it down. But if you paid for an expensive meal if and like, you didn't finish all then, of it, yeah, then, you know... Then I'm getting it to go, yeah. But, but a lot of times if it was that good and I just couldn't eat it in that moment, it. like, I'll probably finish it that night. Like, I'll be like, oh my god. Like, you got like a, like a cheesesteak sandwich or something like that in there. Or like, whatever, you're like, oh my god, that sounds great. You got some, like, pasta from an Italian place, or, mm-hmm. like, a, a nice burger, gourmet burger. Mm-hmm. Or, like, some salad left over from, like, somewhere. Oh, yeah. It's it's best, honestly, when you don't have to heat up your leftover. Mm-hmm. Like a salad or something, because it tastes or the best. Or a sandwich, a cold sandwich. Same. Yeah, sandwich like a, or a sub. Yeah. Dude, I'm a, I love subs. Anyways. Yeah, they're good. I fucking am a fan. A fiend. And there's, like, four of them, are, like, right by my place. I got Jersey Mike's, I got Penn Station, I got Jimmy John's, and I got Subway right by my house. So it's like... <sighs> They're all fantastic. Most of the time. Want to move on to my topic yeah, here? Yeah, let's hit it. Alright, well it's a pretty uh, notoriously known like kind of bullshit snack. I ate them a lot growing up. I haven't ate them that much in a while, but the last <laughs> time I did, I was like... Not not too bad, I think, to get a bad rep, kind of. What's your take on Vienna sausages? You ever eat many of them? Yeah. No, we ate a lot of them in Florida, because Hector would get them, and, like, we'd just buy them, and he'd throw them in the <laughs> eggs and different stuff, and they'd make, like, some meals out of that stuff. I, th- I thought they were pretty good for how fucking... Oh, they're, yeah, they're for, cheap bullshit. For how, yeah, how, how cheap they are. They're, were. like, on the level, like, spam and ramen. But they're, like... Yeah. But, hey, if you broke his bad. piss, it, they can fill the void. Yeah. And... Don't be, 
spam don't be shitting on it you know what I'm saying like dude you have any idea how many people's lives those noodles and shit saved like just just you know no money yeah this just broke an easy purchase yeah. you go in there get a couple packs of them the only problem then is heating them up I would just get a whole fucking like case like a whole 12 pack because if you're gonna get a oh, couple yeah. you can get I usually get the 12 pack too but sometimes I wanted a variety you can I get wanted 12? to get like four different flavors. Yeah. Well, my point is like you get like twelve of like two dollars or something like that. Who knows? They used to be cheaper. You know. Oh yeah. Pre-pandemic, they were probably like one ninety-two. Now they're like. They're probably close to a buck a pack now. They're probably like seventy-five cents a pack. The but the twelve pack's still relatively cheap. Like it's still it's like in the two dollar range, I think. Or, Hopefully. I mean, I they're know. the noodles. Come on. Most noodles kind of seem like that, though, in the boxes. They like it's before they're like softened. Oh yeah, you're like, what the fuck is this? But dude, pasta, homemade pasta, oh, no, is good. so good. Like mac and cheese, ramen, shit's so easy to make and it hits every time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. Even those little like uh, I don't even remember what brand, but they're just like pasta sides. Like they're like pasta salad or like garlic shells, and you can just make them on the stove. Mm-hmm. Those are always fire. And that stuff's really cheap. Homemade pasta, not expensive. Spaghetti, cheap. Spaghetti. No, yeah, like all your that grains, stuff. man. They are cheap. They can make they can make a lot of meals, rice and shit like that. You throw oh, yeah. a lot of it in there. You can make you way too much rice on accident. Like a though. meat with it, you know. Put like a whole bunch of shit together. Cheap meat, Vienna yeah. sausage, toss it in. <laughs> I, like, enjoy just some of those days that we, like, at the apartment, like, making eggs and bacon. Just, like, that's always just a classic breakfast that's so good. Oh, yeah. I love some eggs, toast, bacon. Yeah. Biscuits and gravy. I love breakfast food. Biscuits and gravy, French toast, bacon, eggs, all that shit. It's like, oh, man. It sounds good any time of the day, though. That's yeah. the thing. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not the biggest breakfast eater, but breakfast food is awesome. So, like, me and Haley go out a lot on Sunday mornings for mm-hmm. breakfast, and I always, like, look forward to because I'm like, we stop at a Denny's or a Walmart or something, it's like, mm-hmm. man, this is going to be so fire. Where else, <laughs> have you gone to any, like, specific, like, local places other outside yeah, of Yeah, we went to, like, the Afton Diner. Yeah. Which is close to the place, and uh, Courtesy Diner a couple times. Yeah. I went there, I think, twice. Yeah. Cheatham one of the times. good. And, fuck it, this place didn't give you food poisoning because... I picked it, and uh, you know we didn't end up in some sketchy place. Yeah, not some uh, buffet where the shit sat out for nine yeah, hours. Yeah, there's bugs on that under shit. heat lamps. Oh yeah, the tiny little maggots just sitting under the nasty main, just suckling away at the noodles you're slurping down. No, dude, that sushi fucked me. Up. That sushi. <laughs> That sushi did the real number. <laughs> that yeah, that's what your, a that was a, a bad, bad idea on your. Uh, I I will admit, yeah, like it was no, it was a terrible idea. So, like it was a bad idea. Sushi is it's a dicey. That, that shit was sitting out there probably who knows how long. And yeah. man, I couldn't do it. Like I was, I tried to make, I made like hot wing dip. That was the night of the Walking Dead season four finale. I made hot wing dip. I was throwing up. You got back. It wasn't eight more. It wasn't tremendous. You know what I mean. And I missed the next like day of like of school, uh, at least. 
fall from a little bit of buffet sushi. Oh, dude, the two times that I had food poisoning, I was just like, the hurls, like, they were the worst, like, because it's painful. Real, real pain. I got it from sushi, too, at my apartment one time. Freaking me and Haley got Deerberg sushi. Oh, no. And it was good. Yeah. But then I didn't eat all mine, and I didn't eat it Sunday, and then I tried to eat it on Monday. Not I don't know what I was saying. It was in the fridge. I'm just like, yeah. oh, there's only a couple of them left. What harm can it do? You know, so there's only a couple. It's only a couple days old. Yeah. Ate it while I'm watching, I think, Clockwork Orange. I'm just munching down some sushi. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the night, I woke up. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Call out. Like, I, I was up from that point. Till it was time for me to go to work, I was in the bathroom sweating. I was like, call, call out of work. So, you have to go through so much discomfort <laughs> to get all that food poisoning out of you. Yeah, it's like, even if it's a little bit that poisoned you, you, you pump your everything out of your yeah. system. Oh, yeah, it's going to leave you with nothing. Like, you're going <laughs> to lose some weight, probably. Five to seven pounds. Yeah, it's a rough, it's kind of a weird day. You feel a little, like, weak and wavy. Yeah. Day after food poisoning. And you're a little more, like, uh, weary about things you eat after that happens mm-hmm. to you, too. You're like, ugh. I never want to experience that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I mean, I didn't have KFC for, like, three and a half years after that. Yeah. I And that was the first time I had food poisoning. Man, they're good, too. And that's, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, wanna hear. I took them back. <laughs> I took them back, uh... You know, gave it a little while, but, and to be fair, it was just that one, that one day, it didn't necessarily mean that, like, you know, all that was going to happen, but sometimes you're deterred away from things like that because of a bad experience, you know? Yeah. So you're like, hmm, but I enjoyed it, like, hell, whenever I worked at Family Dollar in California and there was that Taco, oh, conveniently, that Taco Bell slash KFC right next to it, oh my god, (laughs) that was tremendous. You get the cheesy ready to crunch. You get like a thing of Nashville hot chicken tenders also, and a Baja Blast. Woo! <laughs> that shit. That was that played right into my hands. I was yeah. Uh, they're like the same uh, company owns them. I've seen a few of those locations, and yeah. I've seen like Taco Bell Pizza Huts in the past and shit. Remember that era? Yeah, yeah. That was tremendous. They're all though. owned by the same. What's your favorite Taco Bell item? I like the Crunchwrap Supreme a lot. I also like the quesadilla chicken or steak a yeah. whole lot. That's but the thing. Like, like we said before, it's like a lot of the same ingredients just done differently. Yeah. I do like I like a lot of them. The like cheesy gurdia crunch is probably mine with this uh, hard shell wrapped in the soft shell yes. with the yeah. uh, like the white like the sauce. Oh my god. What was Flame. the one thing they had for a while? I used to always quesaritos. Remember those? Those mm. are pretty fire. They had, like, rice and cheese on the, like, outer shell, and mm-hmm. there was, like, an inner shell with all the burrito. Damn. We always do this when we start talking about it. <laughs> and we and we did our foods in the middle this time. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's, I mean... So what was it about? It was... It was yeah, a sausage. Oh, yeah. Uh, they get a little bit of a tough rap, but, I mean, that's not like... I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm not saying they're the best quality shit. But I'm gonna say underrated because they can fill the void. Yeah. Whenever you need something to stack on, throw them in with eggs, throw them in with something else. Bacon. Help a lot of like really struggling it'll poor you. people out. It, yeah, it'll feed you. Uh, you know, 
I'm not saying you want to impress somebody, make this in a meal, you know? <laughs> Got a I'm just saying. coming over, you open a can of Vienna sausage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show you how to just get it. Plop it out on a plate. <laughs> there you go. Dinner is served. <laughs> it's like a, it's oh it comes God. out like that. It's like one big brick. Like yeah. like spam comes out like that too. Even though they're all already individualized, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. 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 I'm gonna it's say like I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give monkey bread. I'm gonna give him the underrated. Yeah. I could see the case for that for sure. Dude, I ate them a lot as a kid. Yeah. And I thought they were fire. Now I'm older, I'm like, yeah, this is shit. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not necessarily a huge proponent for them. I'm not saying, like... I still get a, a, like, when I pass them in the store sometimes, I'm like, maybe I should pick a couple of them up. In a time where things are, <laughs> are, are you know, the price is raised and shit, too, it's like they'll, they'll feed you, you know? Yeah. Get them, get a little bit of eggs, you know, you only spend ten bucks that way, because the eggs are probably eight and a half bucks. Yeah, eggs were outrageous for a minute. People with, honestly, people that raise their own chickens are winning for sure. Well, just local farmers, they're the true Well, yeah, well, I mean, a lot of, but a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people that yeah, just do chickens, mm-hmm. but all Not that local idea. shit, man. Yeah, oh, no, it matters. This is the, the way to go. Agriculture is one of the foundation. If you can find a local farmer, a local butcher, mm-hmm. buy the meat, it's like... It's the best deal, too, because you get a fuckload. That's the only problem. And it's the You purest, get a fuckload. So you got to find a too. way to store all that. You need, like, a deep freezer. Mm-hmm. You can buy, like, a side of beef, and that shit will last you a long time. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the route to go if you want to eat the shit. Uh, well, I mean, what do you think, Vienna sausages? I'd probably say a little underrated, too, but I like all that shit. Uh-huh. I like Spam, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like ramen. I like, It'll you know. do, they all do the deed, you know? Yeah. I'm not really that, like, pretentious with my food. Like, if it tastes good, I don't really care how much it costs. It's like, oh, this is fire. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I like a good, you know, fucking, sure, a filet mignon or something. Like, everybody loves that shit. Oh, but yeah. I'm not above eating a spam sandwich and a bowl of ramen. No. <laughs> so good sausages, shit, you know? it fits right in the void. It's like, oh, they got, you know, hot sauce and barbecue Vienna sausages. It looks kind of interesting. Maybe I'll toss them in the cart. You know? What's it going to hurt if they're shitty? It's like, fuck, I wasted 80 cents. Yeah. <laughs> At a time when you can't get anything for 80 cents. Yeah. What do we got here? I'll throw you my last one. All right, how about this? How about, we'll take you down the Kevin Smith lane. How about this? What do you think of the Clerks series? Now that they're all out. I mean, we talked about Clerks 3 on here before. Yeah. I like. See, I was trying to figure out if I should tie this one to Kevin Smith or just the Clerks movies. You know what I'm saying? Because I guess, I don't know, you could interpret it as Kevin Smith is like a creator or something too. Uh, maybe not that, because that's kind of widespread too, because he's also created podcasts. He's also, you know, more than just that. Yeah, so let's just say the Clerks movies. But some of his most famous works, I mean, obviously, like, the whole Ask You universe wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Clerks' success. Yeah. And then, you know, we would have never seen two sequels spawned in 2006 and last year. Yeah, Clerks 
jump started everything for him. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm glad I fucking I'm glad we watched like I showed you that shit. That was that was like because they talk about all the shit too that like you know the some of the Star Wars stuff, just the shit you're into, or just like the conversations you can see yourself having the bullshit yeah. in the workplace and like it's they were so entertaining. Um, the third one is like took a way different turn though. Yeah, it was more like emotionally driven, but they're yeah. like getting older. Kevin Smith's getting older. Well, and he had or the heart attack story and everything yeah. to, to tie into it whenever he got off the stage. Me and Honestly, S- yeah. The, the third was pretty good, but it was a lot different. Like that was It was funny though. James Allen Bob. Yeah, there was still a lot of funny stuff. parts still, but it did like once it got emotional, it pretty much stayed there. It was like, damn. Mm-hmm. I almost died. Just keeps going on about yeah, it. That shit was pretty funny though. <laughs> hey, he finally made it happen. Now it's done. They can't They killed him off. Yep. I guess you could do one with Randall just chilling. <laughs> Him and uh, Elias. James Stan and Bob still. Yeah. That'd be funny. They won't, though. Honestly, the movies themselves are probably a little underrated, though. Oh, yeah. Like, as a whole, as a trilogy. I mean, they're over within, a, like, a niche clique of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... If they know that, and they're kind of like that, uh, that like nerdy cult film, like comic mm-hmm. book kind of group. And but if they're into Smith, it, they're really into it. Oh yeah, he has definitely his own crowd. Yeah, for sure. Oh though. yeah, because a lot of people like love James L. Bob. He's acquired his own group of people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he just seems like a really genuine dude too. Yeah, you know. So it's like the stuff he makes you want to support. It's yeah. Like, oh, you know he's well. He's doing it out of the love of like for his fandom too, because he's still a huge fan of like a lot of shit, even though he's yeah. made a lot of stuff. And he like all of his projects, he like thinks the highest of. He like takes mm-hmm. them on tour and shows them and talks about them. And so he's he's a pretty interactive director in that sense. You don't see James Cameron or Steven Spielberg as awesome as they are. Fucking going across the country touring their movie. Mm-hmm. Like, well, oh, like you'll this. see Kevin Smith interact with people like a normal guy and stuff, and like be you know in the uh, like doing his podcast and filling the like the uh, they modeled oh the Mos Eisley like the cantina like they modeled after that his like a podcast studio yeah. and shit or just like where he does it. Uh, but it's pretty cool. I mean, he made his dream happen. Like, he invested all of his money, maxed out his credit cards, put all of it into making that movie, and, like, yeah, I mean, it could have... It could have fucked his life up, but then it made a few million dollars in the box office. I mean, for a movie that was only, like, 27 grand to make... Yeah. Made him, like... He was a success story, for sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of people probably have done that and failed, but he made it happen. He bet the farm. He literally did, like, got, like... To even conceive that you would have the deal with the after effect and like no results after doing that and put yourself into a shitload of debt in no returns, like that's not even It's working at the gas station forever. Yeah. Oh. Can that would take forever. Smart, like, so I gotta get a third job. <laughs> it's no free time, just feeling like shit. 
you'd have you could bring that up to everybody though. Hey, I made a movie. Yeah, it got sold to Miramax and yeah. And Harvey Weinstein just put it away in some fucking case. Like literally, like he like you know, not to pull him into it, but it like that was who like watched it. And he's like, oh, you know, fucking. So he promoted it, distributed it, and fucking the rest is history as far as that goes. And like then he's you know he was he produced a lot of Kevin Smith's movies. Oh yeah. Um, for a good while. Mm-hmm. As along with a lot of other things. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'd probably say they're a little underrated. For yeah. sure. And with the general masses, that is, like, there's still probably quite a few people that even if they've seen the first, haven't seen two or three, you know? Mm. Do you still prefer the first one the most, or what do you think? I don't know. Probably. Right. I would say so. They're all there's, good in their own way, though. They all have their yeah. own, like, vibe to them. Yeah. They're pretty vastly different. That's your like. That's the safe pick without rewatching what you think now. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while since I've watched any. Well, I guess three I watched most recently, but I think that was all the viewings were like last year. I don't think I've seen it this year because I showed Ethan, me and Ethan watched it, and I think I watched it like once by myself. But we also went to see it in theaters, so I think I've seen it like three times. But I mean, I thought it was a really good rap. I mean, it was definitely an emotional. It was a different take, but it wrapped it nicely and put a bow on the oh, whole yeah. Dante Randall storyline. Uh, so I mean, I appreciate it because that, like those movies, like I was watching that. Um, I watched like he- that series kind of heavily, like more of them. In I saw Clerks two pretty early, or I guess I was like fifth grade or something. So that sounds good. <laughs> uh, but I saw. I didn't see some of the other ones until, like, probably 7th or 8th grade. And, you know, that included, like, Dogma and Mallrats and Chasing Amy and Chance Hell, Bob Strike Back and, yeah, you know, even the first Clerks. So, like, after Clerks 2, I, I didn't see any of them for a like, and those all came before. But, yeah, it was the newest release, and now he's, so you probably got it from, like, a mm-hmm. Bond Corey got it for, like, gallery. his birthday or something, or for, uh, I don't even know what it was. And we watched that on like his his like uh, one of his birthdays, where my dad had a south like a you know had a house in like South County back during that time. It was like me and Harry were like there watching, <laughs> like what the fuck is this? <laughs> Everybody like once the donkey show comes on and shit. Yeah. <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> but yeah, there was like I remember that distinctly. Like that was for a long time ago. Yeah, I that era of time, not that that was even a PG-13, but, like, it seemed like as a kid, we got exposed to shit in movies, so it's not in movies nowadays. Like, your parents would just rent a PG-13, like, comedy mm-hmm. and bring it home to the house, and you'd, like, watch it at, like, eight years old. There'd be some shit, like, oh, my God. I, I didn't expect this to be here. So, <laughs> they really pushed the boundaries with the PG-13 shit. For a minute. Yeah. They still do like horror because they can make things scary as fuck and not have to make them more. Mm-hmm. Like comedy movies, which they don't make a whole lot of them anyways, but like they almost have to get the R rating nowadays. Getting like too much crude innuendo or anything is going to get you the R. Mm-hmm. So we got to go. This is going to offend the masses. Yeah, I guess they don't try to walk that line unless they're willing to 
be a little more family friendly, which is which lands you in PG or I mean yeah. I guess sometimes PG thirteen, but sometimes it's like it's to that point. PG thirteen almost feels like a lot of PG thirteens are light PG thirteens nowadays. Like they like barely got you're like you're like I could have seen that pass for a PG movie. Like where it felt like in the early two like two thousands and stuff, it was like even through the mid two thousands, it was like if someone was PG thirteen. Sometimes you'd be like you'd watch it and be like, man, that feels like it's probably just a couple of steps away from being R. Like no, like the. Uh yeah, I think that they used to push the limit on PG-13 a lot more for sure. But even PG, like you could see, like back in the day, like they would show like nudity and whatnot because they didn't have the PG-13. Oh, yeah. They didn't have the PG-13 back in the day. thing until like 1988 maybe or something yeah. like that. It was just before, because Batman, the Tim Burton one, came out in 89 that had a PG-13 rating. Yeah. And I think I've seen 88 movies in it, but nothing before that, so I'm pretty sure it came out then. Um, but it, it does, it does feel like they used to push the limit more, you know? Yeah, just in general. So you think Clerks is underrated Clerks series. Kevin Smith released. I would say so. That seems like a pretty fair and safe bet with that. Not that there's not people that are, you know that aren't, like, super into it and think it's awesome and know all about it, and, like, they, he has his mega fans, but it's not, it's not, like, blockbuster release known to where everybody's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that movie, or if you, like, mention something about it mm-hmm. in a public space, not everybody's gonna know what you're talking about. No. So, yeah, I'd say it's underrated in that sense. Want to have my third here? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, well, we're in the summer months now, you know. and People don't necessarily always think of this with associated with summer. My mind's kind of always on this just because I love the genre. But what you think, what you're feeling about summer horror releases? And there's been a few bangers throughout mm-hmm. the years with them, but... They, I mean, it's not like as much, I don't feel like, necessarily as it is, obviously, in the fall, you get a lot of the, like, bangers a lot of times. Mm-hmm. The winter, they release some. The winter's kind of a weird month's form, too, but... Because the summer feels like the time where people are going to the theater for actions and comedies and things like that. Yeah. The summer blockbuster. Well, they used to go for comedy. The summer blockbuster movies. But they, yeah, now, like, if you look right now at the box office, there's, like, a shitload of action movies in there that are yeah. all at the top. Um, but, I mean, what they do now is more intertwine a lot of the comedy with some of the action stuff and so forth, you know what I mean? Instead of, like, actually making comedy yeah. movies. So it's, like, it's got, like but it kind of makes in it. some of the other stuff less serious, you know what I mean, in yeah. some ways. So it's, like... If you're trying to sh- like tell a thrilling kind of story, I think like horror movies in the summer can be a lot of fun. Like, I think I don't know if I'm wrong or, or right about that or not. Did like Freddy vs. Jason get released in the summer? Or 
Just movies like it's I think it was late it's kind of cool like whenever they have like oh man like this is gonna be a big bloodbath kind of you know thing and like you're it, you can see why you know it would come out kind of in that time too. August is actually a pretty big month for releases in the past. Like a number of like Halloween movies have dropped in August and different like you know yeah. they start That's to when it starts they start happening. to kind of drop them then yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I don't know. I like them. Like if they if they drop during that time, we saw like I guess last year we saw what the Black Phone um, in June, which was like a little over a year ago. Yeah. Um, was it Nope during the summer? Yeah, it was like in July. Which I mean, I get you know. It's like sci-fi. Yeah. Horror. Yeah. That was. I thought it was good. I liked it. I mean, yeah, like, Evil Dead Rise this year, that was more of a uh, spring kind of release. Mm-hmm. And the Boogeyman, that just came out. Did recently. you see that? that was, no, but that was a summer horror release this year. I'm trying to think. I saw it Nefarious, out. but that was, I mean, it wasn't really horror. It was almost like, like, a lot of it was, like, interrogation stuff, but it was, like, really, it was definitely, like, a darker kind of Like serial show. killer yeah. stuff. Uh, but... That was, like, I think I saw that in May. Might have came out in I don't know. I think Indiana Jones is already going to be, like, my fucking fifth opening night, I think, this year. Yeah, I've really slapped on, like, some of the movies I even wanted to see in theaters, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Like, I plan on seeing the new Transformers in theaters. I probably won't do that now. But also, I saw that you had, like, it's a kind of a direct follow-up to Bumblebee. And I haven't seen Bumblebee. That's like one of the ones I haven't seen. That's John Cena's like, uh, one, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's in that one. So I'm like, at this point I might just watch that first and then maybe watch it. Because it's going to come out on streaming within the next month, probably. Yeah. So across the Spider-Verse in theaters, I guess. I mean, I've seen quite a few in theaters still this year, mm-hmm. but... Well, The Flash was the most recent one I saw. Yeah, so... I don't know. I was the biggest fan, for sure, of uh, of Keaton's work in it. Because they did give him some badass, like, action scenes and everything, too. And, like, it was cool to see him lace it up. Put on the suit. The old cape and cowl. Old Keaton. And they, like, yeah, brought back it, some of the classic scores. It looks classic. Like, it looks mm-hmm. like that... Era he too. had like, like it was it was it was, it was the, literally the same look. Yeah, he had his same like the weaponry and like his bat ship and everything and his just the Batmobile. It was awesome. Uh like especially like those aspects. Like the movie wasn't it wasn't like bad. It was just like, man, I mean, it probably would have helped if I knew more of like maybe if I had seen some of the other ones too. I don't know. I guess it still would have made sense, but they're restarting the universe anyway like we talked with Kyle, so the Batman series should be protected, like, with Robert Pattinson and all that, but they're going to restart the DCEU, or the DC, whatever they're calling it now, um, with, like, a different Batman, Superman, and so forth. Yeah. So, I don't know, I guess that gets everybody removed from their role, assumably, I don't know. Because, you know what's silly is Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom is still coming out, too. And like people I already, think I saw that, yeah. yeah and, and, and not just that, but it's got Amber Heard in it. Yeah. And people aren't very... I think I remember. It's like they think... Some people, they're getting disappointed in some of the Flash's box office returns. It's like, 
I don't know if people are going to show out for that fucking one, though. Because they know, too, that that's not going to matter to anything else mm-hmm. about to happen. She's in it when she's kind of got a negative reputation in the media now, so it's like not a lot playing for that movie. I feel like the Jason Momoa hype, not that he's n- not an awesome dude, but I feel like it's kind of like died down recently. Mm-hmm. He's kind of hasn't really had a lot of release. I feel like last summer he was in everything. Like Jason Momoa. It felt like, yeah. like every big movie. He was in like the, the Fast 10 this year. Yeah, who gives a fuck about those? So is a lot of people too, though. Yeah. Everybody's popped up in one of those now. Yeah. It's like... Anybody can at this point. They're, they're going to make 76 of them, so... Ours is going to be the next James Bond series? No. James Bond, too, it was like different eras. That's what made it kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Is they'd wait like a decade, they'd cast a completely different Bond, and then would be like a new era of Bond. It'd be like a new Bond era. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this Bond's taking over. Because he was like a secret agent, so it'd just be like, oh, new secret agent, new story, new generation of for Bond fans, you know? With fast movies, it's just like, oh, we're going to keep the same guys and they release one every year. Now they're going to be in space. Now they're going to... What the fuck are you guys doing? Why is it every year, too? That's like, that is overkill. Yeah. You just burn people out. Even people that are fans of your shit, if you release a brand new movie every year, eventually it's going to become a lot. People are going to be like, okay. There's going to be fatigue on... Yeah. On, you know, the franchise, the story. Let people ride it out. At least two years. Not longer. Yeah, literally let them ride it out. (laughs) On fast. It's just a bunch of meat. That's probably what fast is. It's about half. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Jesus. Fast is probably just a bunch of meat, no story. It's just same shit every episode. Shit's getting blown up. Cars are going fast. I think I've seen like jumping off bridges. One, two, and like five. And I'm shitting on him big time as somebody who's seen probably two of the ten. Yeah. If that. I can't I can't tell you anything that's happened in probably any. You're not a massive Vin Diesel fan? Fast five, maybe. Who do Vin Diesel the Pacifier probably his best movie? <laughs> the pacifier. <laughs> trying to think what else. Maybe that. The X-X-X Chronicles X-X of Riddick. Yeah, those are all. Those, he did all those movies too. He did the Triple X. Triple X. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And the Return of Alexander Cage. He did that sequel. Yeah. What else is this guy? What's he doing? All these fast movies. That's what he's doing. Do you remember whenever? Uh, in no disrespect to Paul Walker, but like, do you remember whenever like? the accent was announced and everything and like a million people came out of the woodwork and were like claiming that he was their favorite actor. Oh yeah. Like, no he wasn't. He was like the second or third role in like a franchise that wasn't even as, as established yet. I mean, I guess it was at a certain point. But like, nobody said that. And then, of course, you know, they wait too long. <clears throat> and, yeah. people, and people will come out and they'll say that he was... He was their favorite actor. It's like, name anything that he's been in 
outside of these movies. <laughs> Who is my favorite? Yeah, that it's kind of sad when that kind of stuff happens when people die because it does feel like it's almost like people that bandwagon sports teams that are doing good. Like somebody died, now all of a sudden they're their favorite singer, favorite actor, all these things. It's like, and I'm not saying that the people that died they aren't some of the people's favorite, mm-hmm. whatever. But it's like some of the people. It's just like, okay, you can say I was a fan. I really liked them. I was a huge fan of the Fast and Furious series, and he was my favorite character in it. That's acceptable, even. But it's like, don't blame your favorite actor unless the only thing you watch is Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah, no, like they showed out for. For Vin and some of those guys, like, people didn't even really take notice of Paul Walker until it was probably, like, a little later. I mean, I'm sure, I know he did some other stuff. I yeah. think I've seen his I name mean, in he, other movies I've watched. He has, but. but it's just, like, by and large, people were... People were not... People were referring to him as their favorite because the box office he was, necessarily for him. No. Um, and they all know it. What are you looking up? I was just seeing any more movies that he was in. Yeah, I mean, he did lead a few other movies. Oh yeah, I think, he was eight in that below. Time. Remember yeah, that movie yeah. with the sled dogs? That was the one I was thinking of. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Paul Walker or his like acting, but I'm just saying the Lazarus Project. I'm just saying people came out of the woodwork whenever they never fucking probably even saw him in anything. Meet the Deedles, bro. That was a good one. Did you ever watch that shit? I have not. I it was think. like a Disney movie. I always watched that shit as a kid. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's young. <laughs> but yeah, like, top credits are obviously all the Fast and Furious movies, you know. They're big, they're big time. I will give them that. As much as I can shit on them, they're big time. People are into them, so... They're clearly doing something right, and I'm sure I've said that before, but what else is there to say? They wouldn't still be putting them out as a big summer release every year if they weren't doing something right. Fast? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a crowd for sure, no doubt. There's always a crowd that comes back. I'm curious to see how... But it seems like they almost lost their original audience because it's like the people that were first into it were like, I want to see these mm-hmm. old muscle cars in here. This is cool stuff. It didn't necessarily I'm, seem that that's what it's about. I'm ready to uh, to see how this final Indiana Jones pans out. Oh, yeah. I'm I really... I, like, and you know it's going to be the final one because... He's 81 like, years old. Yeah, he's like 81. He's old. He's one of the greatest actors of all time. He's been in a lot of big shit, but like... He's going to look... Like, Indiana Jones is going to look and feel old. Yeah. And like a vet in this, for sure. Yeah. And But the thing is, we're going to see some like flashbacks to older shit, too, because they did this de-aging technology to him, so like, I'm sure it's going to flip between some like old-school shit that we haven't seen in like now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, from what I saw in the previews. So... Because they show like him. They got having... so much money now in these studios and stuff. They just can de-age people and stuff. It's wild. They can recreate them. AI and like all the different technologies they can use in studios now. Like what they can make and make it look convincingly good. Yeah, it's insane. 
you wanna? I'm excited though. It'll be good. Do you wanna call it here in a in a sec here? Oh yeah, it's it's, it's time. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I mean Indiana Jones should be dope. Uh, that was definitely one of the summer movies. Yeah, I mean I've been waiting for it for a long time. Like it shouldn't have taken them this long. I love how like Harrison Ford. Oh, I'll do it again as long as it take doesn't take another 19 years. It took 15. I remember reading in like 08 or 0, maybe he was like, when I, after I saw the first one, that it was going to be delayed and he wasn't going to be able to at least make one until like 2012. But it's like they could have got on that and started it. But I mean, either way, I'm not complaining. We're getting it now. It's yeah. uh, It'll be different and we'll never know, but it'll have five installments and like even people got their complaints about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but I, I enjoyed it. So like this will be a fun summer yeah, mm. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was still, like, there were some ridiculous parts and some stuff that wasn't up to par with other Indiana Jones, but mm. it was still, like, an enjoyable watch. It was. It was worthy. It was. it was a worthy summer release when it came out. For sure. I think so. this one will probably, I'm not trying to overhype, but I think it'll deliver even more than yeah. Kingdom did. I think we shall see. So, we'll see in the meantime. I'm sure we'll be back on here talking about it. And uh, we'll be moving forward with the rest of our 90s episodes, with episode number 95 next. We hope everybody's enjoying themselves. Taking easy out there has a is having a great start to the summer. Go back and check out you know our last solo episode, 93. Go check out Kyle Henley's record-breaking all-time appearance with casting a spotlight four-year anniversary in 92. The Boston Marathon of... Podcasts. Well, I mean, watch, watch <laughs> it, watch it with that. But uh, it was, um, it's been a fun, it's been a fun time. Thank you, everybody that stays uh, stays listening because uh, you know we appreciate you. Oh yeah, and um, it's fun to get back here and do these. Keep bringing in more guests and have people come on their first time, maybe their second time, whatever it is, just to, is something to bring to the table. Thank you for everybody that's reached out to us. Thank you for valuing something we created out of thin air. That's awesome. So, yeah. And uh, so we hope everybody takes care out there. Uh, Have a good upcoming week and do your best. (laughs) We will see you next time. Take it easy out there, folks. Thank you.